Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL tour. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. Never a dull moment in rugby league, and uh, a fair bit's happened since last week and now. Not into the games, but off field as always, Brock. Uh, as they say, never a dull moment in rugby league. Mayhem. Absolute mayhem. Mayhem. So, for everybody out there, we'll uh, do our best to sink our teeth in it. It's a bit late at night again to record. I've written down as much as I've seen or heard over the last few days around work. So, we'll try and touch on everything as we always do here. And fifth and last NRL podcast, as always, on Audio Boom, on iTunes, uh, Spotify. Obviously, got on that one. Keep rating and reviewing the show. If you're looking for us on Facebook, fifth and last NRL podcast, and on Twitter is at fifth and last. That's the letter N, not the word and. And uh, for everybody out there, mate, there's been a lot of talk, Brock, that buzz, you know, the little glimpses, people love it. And last week, apparently, you dropped a James Hooper that I, I might have been too tired. It was a bit late. I don't record it, but it was praised by many. Yeah, I did drop a James Hooper. <laughs> Had a hoops in there, did you? I did, yes. Classic. Well, there you go. So we might sneak a little bit of that back in there. Sometimes I just forget about the impersonation some weeks, but we'll kick things off as we always do here on the fifth and last with our set of six, six topics, opinions, thoughts, anything we want to talk about. Number one, I guess it's the biggest thing that's happened probably in the last 24 hours, and we've talked about it for weeks. I've kept stressing on it, and that was the future of Dean Pate. Uh, in order for the Bulldogs to move forward, make some signings, give him an indication, give their fans an indication, all those bits and pieces. Uh, and now what's happened, they've had a meeting that was supposed to occur uh, to talk about the future moving forward, and they basically gave him the indication that he wasn't going to be there in 2021. So he said, well, then I'm gone. Um, you know, I don't really blame him, given the circumstances. He's done all the shit work for him. He was given a team to basically guide and try and harden up some young blokes and pick up some cheapies and work with for a couple of years to clear the salary cap issues they obviously had from the Des Hasler ticking time bombs that was left over. Clemmer and Bayer, the Morrises, Graham, etc. were players that were moved on. Aaron Woods on that terrible contract. The only players they've really picked up in that time is a couple of kids, some fringies, some cheapies, um... Narfa's the biggest one probably of note, who, let's be honest, the Roosters pushed out the door and wasn't worth the money. They ended up paying him, and they've only just got Luke Thompson. So he's been between a rock and a hard place, and when push has come to shove, he's got him to this period, this point. Uh, they've pushed him out the door. Uh, I, I really applaud what Dean Pay's done. Give him a circumstances. Absolutely applaud it. Uh, he's been... Treated like a complete doormat by the Bulldogs. You know, if they're going to say they're the family club and they all they wanted was a Bulldogs person, 
and essentially they've just had Dean Payne got him to uh, hold the gun, fire the bullets, um, and then shown him the door. Essentially, that's what's happened because he he hasn't had any signing of note come into the club. He's had no help really, uh, and. I, is this decision based on results? Because if if they're judging the performance of the team on Dean Pay, uh, the, the best thing for Dean Pay is the fact that he's walked out and he doesn't have a job anymore. Because uh, there is it's very very clear that there's no alignment between the expectations of the board and the CEO and the head coach. Because the head coach knows, look, I'm pushing shit uphill here because. The roster he has is one of the worst we've seen, probably the worst we've seen since Newcastle. Well, really, hit rock bottom. Really, who, who on the spine besides Foreign is probably a full-time NRL player right now? Um, the guys they've rolled in, as far as the halves or the kids or squad players, they're not genuine NRL starters. And you know what? That that's the reason why, if I was the Bulldogs, I'd be going to sign a Nathan Brown because Nathan Brown's had been in this situation, this exact Track situation. Record. He's got a, he's got a. Track record for junior development. two things. Well, yeah, it's, they're the two, th- well, three things probably. A, coaching teams out of this. B, recruiting. And C, developing yeah. in this situation. So uh, that would be the man I'd be chasing. I know that they're saying that Trent Barrett's yeah. got the job. And if that's the case, then, you know, good luck to Trent Barrett. But uh, I'd certainly be looking to, for someone who has the runs on the board in regards to particularly recruiting. And yeah. Nathan Brown did a fantastic job. Um, uh, and look, I, I was critical of Nathan Brown last year, and I, I supported the decision. I think to an extent, we've seen the decision bear fruit because O'Brien's probably the person to take him to that next level. And I think Nathan Brown needs to work out as a coach how he takes himself to not just being that, I guess, reputation as a developer, as someone who sets up a club. He now needs to work out how he can take teams that he gets up the ladder um, to that elite level. Well, I guess the other point I was about to make to your point there is sometimes there is coaches for certain situations. Mm. Well, I, think he's a per- I think Nathan Brown's a perfect coach for the dogs. His own words, basically, when he had that little brain snap last year about Wayne Bennett, thinking with his little head instead of his big head, yeah. he wouldn't have to come clean it up. But he did such thing in England. He went to Huddersfield, who weren't a successful club, built them up, obviously went to St. Helens, who were successful, got a premiership from uh, memory. Came out here, did a good job, rebuilt the junior pass at Newcastle. That's bearing fruit. As I said the other week, I'm not taking away from O'Brien, but O'Brien's walked into a great situation on the back of what Brown has done mostly with other people. But in the Bulldog situation, they haven't been doing a good job the past few years in junior development. They said that's something they wanted to get back to doing. They've done an okay job the last couple of years in juniors. They're looking a bit better, but Nathan Brown can certainly address that thing. We saw what he said about Newcastle and making one or two key signings to go along with the junior development to try and bring others in to kind of mix in together. And whether you like it or not, or whether you're not a fan of that, like Brian Smith was a guy that was seen as someone who, you know, come in and did a job for a couple of years, building culture or getting teams to a grand final. He couldn't win one, unfortunately. Mm. Wayne Bennett is seen as a person who can come in and get a roster that's ready to go to win a comp. He did it at the Dragons, didn't work out at Newcastle. Some coaches, whether they like it or not, they sort of have a stigma attached to them about what role they can play in a club. Yeah. And in the situation they're in right now, I'm with you. I think if there's someone I'd like to hand over money to, given his track record and given his junior development record, I'd much rather give the steering wheel to someone like Nathan Brown. And again, I was critical of his way he attacked, uh, his coaching particularly with the attacking style of things, but I would have preferred Hook Griffin over Barrett. And that's saying something, because I wasn't a huge fan of Griffin. 
Mm. But in all honesty, again, Brisbane, junior development, his time, recruitment, some of the stuff he did at Penrith, he did bring some players through as well, even though I thought most of the guys that were there, I will say, were there during Ivan's time. But there was other candidates I'd say I'd have in front of Barrett. And let's not forget the Manly situation. I'm not trying to, you know, deter or just shoot him down from that. But he went there. They spent money. He had a lot of help around him from Bozo Fulton and other people because he needed it, let's be completely honest. Um, it was his first coaching gig. The first year didn't really bear good results. Second year, they made the finals. They crashed out in the first week. And then the last year, they were one win off the wooden spoon. Mm. And that's with Adam Fanua Blake, Marty Tapau, Apisai Coruscant, Daly Cherry Evans, Dylan Walker. You know, like he had plenty of good players there. And the Trebojevic brothers. And then the year after, after he says, you know, the facilities and the furniture and all these kind of bits and pieces that he seemed to carry on about, clearly things were in a bad situation. He just needed to leave. But Des Hasler comes in with a salary cap burden, no recruitment, and is one game away from the grand final with a bunch of injuries. And then he comes out delusional and starts claiming that what he did is the reason Des Hasler got to the top four. It's like, Champ, you're one game off the wooden spoon. Mm. Don't be claiming you're the reason or you've set the roots up there. Daly Chair Evans was already a rep player. Fanua Blake wasn't playing at that level under him. He went next level last year. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Right. Some I've, of the things I've he never, took credit um... for, I just thought were delusional comments and poor comments in the way he left. And, you know, I know a couple of players supported him, but players aren't, no offense, going to come out and bag people publicly. The only two people I really heard speak about him were the Trebojeviches, and we all know that they're nice as pie. They're not going to say anything bad about anyone. But from within the club, there was a lot of people that were saying that Barrett was as bad as the way the club was being run, and then he went rogue and. He had a big ego and things weren't too good. So you, you don't know what to take. Would he have learnt from the experience? Yes. But my second question, and to you, you're the more coaching, uh, the better coach or the smarter one out of me and you in terms of that, is this really the second job you want to be taking? No. Given the board fractions, the situation, and again, having no one there to help you when he's clearly going to need help to spend that $3 million? Like, I'm not handing this to someone who I still consider a rookie coach to rebuild a club that's, in all honesty, in turmoil. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll be completely honest. When um, when I was coaching at the Panthers, I never had to have a conversation with uh, those above me in leadership positions about the quality of the roster that you've got, because you, we always had good players. It was never it was never going to be a case of, well, the team didn't perform because we don't have the players, and if that was the case because of injuries or poor form or whatever, the club was the first to acknowledge that. Um, but in my time at the West Tigers, that's been a little bit different because you you come come into these systems where they're picking players from three different junior leagues. Um, they're less resourced across those junior leagues. So the conversation I always push to have with those above me at the start of every season at the, at the West Tigers or West is, like, what are our expectations? Where, where do we see this group going? Who have we got under contract? Who's going to go through and play... 20s like where's a realistic spot for us to finish this year because i think as soon as that that becomes fractured and you've got different expectations to what people above you have in that they have higher expectations than what you have that's when you can get yourself into real trouble as a coach uh and i think that's where dean pay's been found wanting here I think Dean Pay probably looks at his side and goes, look, if we avoid the spoon yeah, or if good. we finish out of the bottom four, we've done well. Mm. Um, you know, and I've, I've coached seasons at, at West in the last three years where, you know, I've looked at the start of the year and thought, 
you know, this is going to be a difficult season. And there's been years there where I thought, you know, like we can we can give the finals a red hot crack here. And, you know, we're a club who traditionally, particularly in the last 10 years, have, haven't made the finals a lot. Uh, so your, your expectations need to be realistic. On top of that, you need to make sure that your expectations are, are being adjusted after every week based on who's available, um, who's injured, who's performing and who's not. Uh, and the one thing that we found, I, I know in you know you sort of had a year where you weren't with me and we've spent two years together, one at Matt's, one at SG Ball, but in both those seasons we've had to play essentially... Year youngs. Essentially the majority of our side is year youngs. Yeah. Which is a is which is a very 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 difficult thing to do. Yeah, well, it's all good if you're at Penrith or Para uh, to play year youngs because they're probably good enough to play, and they're around a good group of year ons. Whereas we're throwing them to the wolves a year early. Yeah, and you have that delicate situation of do we break them? Are they physically ready for this? Um, Will they lose confidence? Will we damage them for next year? Like for one or two, it ends up being a good thing. But I'd have to say over the past year or two, in particular in a club where you're not as strong probably don't get the results and things don't do as good that it's not a good thing for the kids in a lot of cases. And this is where I think if you want to get into a deeper conversation, do we base, do we judge coaches on performance or do we judge coaches on results? Because I'll tell you now, if you're judging, you know, myself on results in the last three years, and I knew this when I was going to mm. West and the West Tigers, mm. that the results probably weren't going to be, you know, what was, what, it certainly wasn't the reason I went to West. And no, West well, if you're worried about I results, went there, you'd stay at Penrith or you'd go to Parramatta or you'd t- go with the best junior. Yeah, look, I, I thought uh, progression was it was a thing. It was a real key to why I went there and I'd spoken to people within the club and Ivan had obviously moved there as well. Um, and the other one was just I wanted to be in a, in a situation where I had to coach players. And, and that may sound silly, but yeah. coach players who probably aren't as good or who haven't had the development behind them as compared to the kids at Penrith. And, you know, the kids at Penrith need to be coached, no yeah, doubt about that. they need that. to be coached, but the but ceiling... I mean, yeah, I think in saying that and probably trying to make clear of those comments around to coach, to, to coach in a difficult situation, yeah. to coach when you don't have the best players, to coach when um, you're doing absolutely everything in your power and you're working your absolute ass off every week and that even that's not even going to guarantee yeah. that you compete... You know, I've, I've sat in, I've walked into dressing rooms, as you know, when we've been down 30 nil at half time mm. and think I, we couldn't have, I couldn't have done more than what I've done this week. No. And um, you know, and I've, I've walked into dressing rooms leading 30 and 40 nil, you know, three or four years prior to that. And I wasn't half the coach I was that I am now, no. you know. And again, so and this is a difficult thing for Dean Pay. I think the best thing is he, he's obviously worked out, well, A, they've told him that he doesn't have a job anymore. Yeah. So, first and foremost, I, I applaud him for walking out. Because there's nothing left to be gained there. No, nothing. Um, and now you've you've essentially given the players an out if Dean Pay hangs around because they can just piss in the wind. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. particularly for the guys that have got a contract longer than this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's a good thing for Steve George Arles, uh, you know, <clears> to take the side. It's good for the playing group. The sooner they appoint, the sooner they can recruit. And I think that's that's the key now to where the Bulldogs go in the next two to three years is around who they can recruit. And I think I'll make the other comments as well. Given the circumstances, lack of salary cap and the squad there, a lot of people have brought, well, what if Bellamy or Robert, like Bellamy and Robinson might get them up a couple more places. I'm not saying Dean Pay some world-beater coach, but you don't know the true reflection of Dean Pay's coaching ability because he hasn't been able to have a squad or a roster that he's at least able to modify or put his hands on. 
Yeah. And a lot of people I've heard comment like, oh, well, nothing changed or this should have changed or they should have done this or they should have done that. It's like, well, they're limited with what they've got. Yeah. Like, you can only do so much with that squad. You I'll, can't I'll play um, a certain way or you can't change a whole lot in the tack or people go, oh, they're still boring and basic or they struggle with this. Like, well, if for three years I told you, you're not going to be able to really sign anyone unless a club doesn't want them. You can get them on a cheap yeah. rate or we're stealing a kid that's looking for an opportunity and we're just going to keep, you know, rolling that way. Well, you're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. But it, again, Bellamy, Robinson, Bennett, I don't care if any of those three were there. They probably get up a couple of places. They might get in the ninth to 12th sort of bracket, but I still don't think they challenge for finals if that's their roster all year round with no depth, no strike in the halves, and just a handful of guys, I guess, that people consider talented players like your Jacksons, this, out and the others. But even people like him, he's looking worn out, burnout, like he's not getting any good ball. He's just on an edge there busting his ass around like. None of them looking the same. Tolman's a grafter. He works really hard, but he has to work hard in that team. They've got no quality ball. They don't attack. Yeah. You know, their best couple of players, if we're being completely honest, one of them was sacked before round one, which is out of his control. Probably their most creative player. Elliot's probably up there with number two, and you'd say probably Hoppawato's the other one. And all three of those guys aren't playing right now. So, Yeah. Uh, All the best to him. Look, D's just kicked shit up a hill for yep. two and a half years, and now he's been shown the door. If they think the coach is the problem, they really need to buy some mirrors and look into him. Well, I'll tell you one thing, like I said. I'm not saying, again, he's a world beater or he's going to win a comp or anything, but he never got a chance to actually have a real gig, a real crack at the NRL, realistically. You haven't got to spend money. You haven't got to shape it. You haven't got to modify anything. So. Look, I, I think he's probably got. He's at a crossroads now. He's not going to get another head coaching job in nah. the NRL straight off the bat, Dean Pay. No, nah, he's going to have I, to go I'd, assist somewhere. I, yeah, no, I'd probably go the other way. I'd say go to England, go yep. to England, go and get a, a good job in England, one of those you know top six jobs in England, and build your reputation up. Um, and not not to say that I think his reputation has been damaged. I think he's probably in no better or worse position than what he was when he got the job. Because nah. people are probably looking, going, well, I can't judge him because well, he he doesn't have the players, and he's been asked before. Yeah, he's been he's been shown the door before. He's been able to actually do anything with that. Yeah, his situation. Knows so, the situation. Yeah, I, I'd be probably saying if he, if he really wants to be a head coach, getting on. Yeah, am I the point? Don't don't go and be an assistant because. Well, I will say one well, thing. Unless though. you want to be an assistant, if you want to rehab a little bit or you don't want to go to England, he's been at two clubs that are very very good and that will put him in a good position in a couple of years' time if he goes and goes and does a job again. He's been at the Raiders, and he's been at the Storm previously. Mm. So I'm not saying they would take him back, but again, if well, Ryle, if, if Ryle moves Ryle, on yeah. from Melbourne and they want someone, or he's interested in there, or the Raiders have somebody move on, or Ricky wants to get him back on his staff, he was there for a little bit. I'm sure there'll be an opportunity somewhere for him. Yeah. I have no doubt about that. And just back to the Barrett thing, again, compared to one of those other guys, it's got probably more to do with junior development, how to run a club, how to manage a roster. Not to mention all the bullshit going on in the background of the coaching. All this talk, again, from the paper and all these experts that are supposedly saying that he's the sole reason that Penrith's attack has turned around this year, give yourself a fucking triple. Like, I, I'm not knocking the bloke, and again, it sounds like I'm going at him because of Manly, this, that, the other. All the best to him. I hope it works out. This is not the job I would have picked for my second job, given the situation. No. But if he's going to tape it, like, all the best. I hope it really works out for him. But for all these people that are just saying it's Trent Barrett, Trent Barrett's there, it's all changed. Like, actually, just think about what you are saying. For a minute. They had a bad off-season last year. Yep. You come back from the Tigers. There were some guys that were unhappy. They moved a couple on. Some bad contracts he'd had from Gus. We spoke about that. They debuted eight or nine kids. They completely flipped the roster. 
they suffered. They got through the May thing. Maloney, you know, was unhappy, a bit vocal, injured. Him and Nathan didn't really work together. They've come into this season. The eight or nine kids that Ivan's blooded are all important parts of what's going on there right now. Yeah. A couple of those other guys he was involved in getting to the club or developing before he was fired the first time. Yeah. He's the reason Coruscant came back, not Barrett. He's the one who recruited Coruscant under the nose of the Bulldogs at the last minute. And he put the control of the side into his son's hands, which a lot of people were bagging him out for, along with Jerome Lloyd. So, I'd, and again, I'd, I'd you say think Barrett you, deserves some credit. He deserves some credit, but a lot of the principles in your attack and your defence come down from your head coach. So all I'm saying is for everyone to suddenly just say, oh, it's all Trent Barrett, it's all Trent Barrett. No, he's, slotting into, like, he's slotting into Ivan's system. Yes, and that's why I'm saying. Like last year, everyone was happy to lay the boot in, and I get it, the situation. And look, understand this. He'll, he will pick up Ivan's system and, and he'll take plug it. it into the Bulldogs. I'll say one thing, though. If he thinks he's going to be able to poach, which I'm pretty sure they had some problems with last time when he first left Penrith, I don't think there's going to be many kids very keen to go there unless they're fringe players or guys that have no chance. Well, see, the difference, the difference this time is that he's worked exclusively with Penrith's NRL team. The, the last time, Barrett had worked in the Harvest Academy. He'd worked with the 20s. He'd worked um, with the New South Wales Cup and the NRL squad. So he was pretty much, not to say that he won't be across it now, but I feel as though he had relationships and maybe some of those boys picked up the phone and thought, well, I'm, not, I'm probably not going to get a run in first grade here. I'll come with you over there. Um, I just don't think that'll happen this time. But I guess if it does happen, of course it's going to be attributed to that. But don't underestimate the fact that some players will pick up the phone and say, hey, mate, look, I'm, this is where I am. I'm not happy here or whatever it is. I think you'd be foolish to think that there's not going to be one or two Penrith no, players that follow him but over there. But to me, I think it would be think, more likely think, fringes. If you or... think that they're going to pick up and move with Barrett, then yeah, not no, a chance. given the way Penrith's heading, and again, I'm more mean top-line talent. A lot of people today straight away said, no, oh, not a chance. he'll take guys like, Who? you know, and they brought up off contract or Burton in 12 months or this, that, and the other. I'm like, Burton. Well, he might get Burton. He might get one of the fullbacks because they're just, they've got too many. Yeah, well, again, if Penrith lose Aitkins, I don't think they're losing sleep. That's what I'm or, saying. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. Penrith I mean, aren't going to All I'm saying it. is he may get a couple, but I don't think he's going to get guys that Penrith would look at and say, well, we and can't look, to be fair, them. they'd probably go with Ivan's blessing anyway. So, you know, if he said, well, I've got three or four good fullbacks, there's there's no point having all of them. We can't pay all of them to start with. Um, yeah, let's move on. Yeah, well, Dean Pay, like I said, uh, all the best to him. Hopefully he finds another gig. Um, I'm sure he'll get, like I said, an assistance job, but if we've been fair dinkum, Everyone's saying he's had three, he's had this and that, but again, what we're talking about. As far as resources, salary cap and everything at the club, he was given, as everyone said, a shit sandwich. He had no chance to mould yeah, that, change gonna, that. So, we've spoken about um, Yeah, Trent Barrett looking like the likely candidate. Three-year deal is what they're talking about. We'll see what happens in the next few days. Number two, speaking of contracts and sagas at clubs, Dave Fafita, and this is a good one to talk about. It happened kind of after we finished up last week and there's been a lot of back and forth, but you're a Titans man, so... I wanted to get your thoughts on the situation. The Broncos, obviously, have got a salary cap juggle. They've probably gone too heavy on the forwards. Looking at things right now, and again, a lot of people are going, well, the Lodge deal is like a bad deal. But again, if you're Brisbane, they weren't anticipating the rule change. If no. you knew the rule change was coming, someone from Lodge probably wasn't a high priority. Even still, do I agree they couldn't sign all the forwards? Yeah, I'd agree. I probably would have let Lodge or Flegler go and kept Carrigan and a Haas and... You know, a pen guy I wasn't happy last year or the price tag was thrown down for him because of injuries, inconsistency and suspensions. Like, out of the five or six really good ones there, Haas, Fafita and Carrigan probably would have been my priorities out of all of them. Mm. But the situation they're in, uh, yeah, they've probably signed a couple too many forwards and now 
they've got less money in their salary This has got nothing to do with Brisbane. So then it comes down to the Titans come in, they make an offer, and they go straight for the jugular. 1.1 million. Apparently he says yes. Then the next day he rings back, changes his mind, says no, and now they've offered him the biggest deal in the NRL. Yeah. My thoughts are what I said to you before. It's no knock on the Titans. I think he's a great player. I wouldn't pay most of the spine players any more than 1.2, let alone a back rower who needs, again, someone to go forward in the middle, someone to get in the ball, someone to put him in a good position out there. And at his age, of all things, I just think the deal is incredibly ridiculous and I don't care what situation the Titans are in. I just think it's a bad contract. But the, the reason that really got me worried, and I said this to you before, and I'm sure you can agree in some circumstances, at first when he knocks back a record deal already after saying yes, there's enough warning signs to me there that he's probably not 100% in it or he might regret it later. And he is a kid. Yes, and he's grown up, you know, and in that system, and he's been at the Broncos. And then the second part is when they come back with a record deal, and the first thing that gets brought up is, well, can I come on loan for a year or just come for the year? No, he and said then that I'll go Brisbane. back or renegotiate. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But for the Titans, to me, that's another sign that I'm like, this is just a bad idea. And for me, full stop, regardless of whatever it is, if, if he's umming and ahhing at the biggest deal in history, let alone the initial offer, which was massive, and he's not committed to take the full five year deal, Rather than a one-year yeah, deal, but you're kidding yourself if you don't think that everyone who moves and signs a contract elsewhere doesn't go back and forth. I think the difference with this is the significance of it and the fact that it's been played out in the media. Well, if it's not that's, enough that's to get him over the line, to not everyone it, just goes, "Yeah, I'm going." I'm already out. Yeah, well, the Titans have no choice. They they need to land a big name player, and whatever the price tag for that is is, is what it is. Yeah. There, there would be third parties attached to this, similar to the Cherry Evans deal that fell through. There's been a cycle um, I think this they'll, um, th- they'd have probably a million of it on the cap. Uh, they need to move some contracts. They need to move Ash Taylor. They need to move Shannon Boyd. They need to move Tyrone Man, Peachy. They need deals. to move Bryce Cartwright. So just taking, yeah, that There's as well. A lot of bad deals. Nathan Peets, throw all them together, right? Proctor probably. You know, you know that getting Dave Fafita is a slam dunk. You know that he's going to perform. He's going to be a once-in-a-generation player. that That's clear to me. He's hes probably the best junior I've ever seen come through in the Schoolboy Cup. Uh, he's been dominant in the NRL. Uh, the, the stats on Brisbane's form and Brisbane's results when he's in the team compared to not in the team are significantly different in that he has a really positive effect on the team. Um. Look, for the people saying it's a huge contract, no shit. But we've got some really poor, high-paid players there to start with. Um, And at the moment, we're essentially paying upwards of $2 for nothing. We're not getting any return on that money. So I'd rather go and pay $1.25 or $1 on the cap for a slam dunk than what I would to piss in the wind with the $2 we've got at the moment. Uh, And then I think if you look at the other signings that Holbrook's made... You know, Tino, SESE, uh, he'll move some players on. The Corey Thompson signing. I think every move that he's made so far has been good. I think he'll be paying those guys the right amount of money. He'll be selling them the right reasons to come to the club. If you get for feeder, I think that, that catapults us into a finals team. Once you become a finals team, uh, you can then start to get those elite guys who will come across at the, at the right rate. And where we're at at the moment is we have to pay overs. We Every bottom team has to pay overs. So the the point is when you pay overs, you need to pay overs for the right one. And to me, he's the right one. We paid overs for Ash Taylor. wasn't the right one. We paid overs for 
Shannon Boyd, clearly not the right one. We paid overs for Bryce Cartwright, clearly the right one. Uh, I heard someone on uh, a Gold Coast Titans podcast last week say that signing Garth Brennan's been the worst decision the club's made in its history. And to be fair, you look at some of these contracts and it's hard to argue. Like, he's he's crippled this club for a three-year period. Yeah, well, the club... Like I said, you know, I, moving on Neil Henry and signing Jared yeah, Hayne, I still it was have just, no sympathy that, for that to me, That, himself. to me, is the worst decision yeah, well, ever because that then led yeah, to having to sign Garth Brennan, right? So I think, though, you can you can handcuff those two decisions to themselves. But the fact of the matter is we're at a real crossroads here. If we miss out on him, you know, we've missed out on... I know we've had a crack at Smith. We've had a crack at Cronk. We've had a crack at Cherry Evans. And we haven't landed any of them. Realistically, we haven't landed a big name signing since. Oh, I, I don't. I really don't know. Probably Hayne. Fail. Yeah, everyone. Everyone in this current crop are a fail. But going back to that, Dave Taylor fail. You know, you could go. There was one or two every year that Nate just Miles, failed. Nate Miles bad failed. for you. Bird was average. He was. Bird, Bird was okay. We're not so bad. But Ash I don't think Harrison he was a star. Great no, Ash Harrison was good. Oh, but but the they were all guys that were just. They, they weren't elite players. No. Well, this I, is an elite player. This is a. This is a. Ten-year signing. I hope so. But I, even I think. And the other thing as well, knowing a bit about knees, like he had meniscus repair surgery, which is no guarantee. He had a bucket handle tear the other day, which means if anything goes wrong with that, you're already starting to get bone on bone. So at twenty, that's not really something ideal. To be thrown out there. Oh, I love the bloke, but in my opinion, and again, it's probably easier for me to say from a Melbourne well, it is. perspective what they're doing. Your team every week, yeah. Even if you said to me tomorrow I was in charge of a side, I'm not paying $1.25 for a back row. Uh, I don't care if it is Dave Vafita. That's just, I think it's insane. And I'm going to what your record, I think he's probably a slam dunk as well. But right, so if we don't get him, who do we sign? I don't think next year's class, bar say a Fafita, is that great. Well, my aim. So would you rather aim, just what? What are you going to do with the money? Well, then? you can't offload half the contracts you've mentioned. Most of money. But we've obviously got the money to pay for him. You do now because there's a couple of those guys off. So what would you do? Just there's not about, spend the money? About, no, but there's about six more people the year after that are going like off who? for the big part of your contract. So I think Taylor's done after next year. I think oh, you're talking about next clearing year. money. The yeah. bulk of your money is tied up until the end of next year. Yeah, and it the is. class. For 2022 is the real good one. There's but, like, but spending money now isn't doesn't mean that we're not going to have money at the end of next year. We're going to have all that other money freed up. Or we're going to probably going to have another two million to spend next year. There's a couple of guys I look at, like we said. I, I like Sammy. <laughs> but if you think that if we if we don't get Dave Fafita and then all of a sudden we're just going to be able to pull players a year after, we're not. If we get Dave Fafita now and then get have the two million in the coffers for the year after. I think we're we're in a position I'm more where we saying can climb I, I the ladder. I think you can fish for more than just what. Like I know what you're getting at and getting people across, but what if he does come and he doesn't play well and they don't make the finals next year? Well, it's no different to what we've and done now. Heading and it's no different to not spending and then the money stuck with the biggest deal ever for a back row. Yeah, he was well. 20, 21 years old with no inside help. I, I think you need that. You need other bits and pieces before you spend that sort of money on a back row. Yeah, but where are you getting it from? He's on an edge. Like no, where are you getting it from? I think you need a spine. And you yeah, need okay. So where are you getting it from? Other bits and pieces. In a, and everyone's like, saying that, but where, do you, where are you getting it from? Well, I think moves like SES, you get you a good base, like Neil Henry. Neil Henry showed the way. He didn't go out and get superstars. He no. got guys that were willing to work, build a good culture. He almost made the finals. They were on the right track. They right? made the finals. They fucking crippled themselves, like you said, when they did the Hain deal. Yeah, they did. I think from that base, they could have done it. And I think Holbrook could do it a similar way. My thing is, I don't think they should go down the path where they've gone down 
multiple times, which just continually fails them. Well, they pay ridiculous money no. and they end up crippled. Look, if they got Cherry Evans, they'd be in a different position. So, that was the right contract. I'm just worried they'll if they got Crumbs again. It would have been different. If yeah. they got Smith, it would have been We've different. We've heard that before, though. The Dragons almost got Smith and Crump. Like, no one got them. They stayed. Like, and well, they didn't. Crump went to Plenty Bruce of things were talked about. The only one that was ever <laughs> over the line at any of these different stages, bar Crump at the end of his career, was when DCE signed with you guys and obviously. Did the dirty. But what I'm saying is DC would have made a significant difference, which is what I'm saying. I think Fafita would will as well. Oh, I agree with a halfback. I'm, I'm saying I don't know about a back row right now. But yeah. I like well, Tino. Tamalolo, I guess, I like sort Mo. of throws that down the road as well because he's on a mill. Exactly. And given the situation is, his contribution's great, but it's not contributing to wins and final series at the moment, is it? So No, but he's still the, the, the I, best player by I just think there's more. more you could do with your squad with the money than just go out and try and hit a home run. But it's, to say that, you need to, have a, you need to have someone. Who are you talking about then? Who? Well, I like moves like an SESC because that's not going to be a barn burner for your salary Please, cap. you're comparing SESC to Fafita. No, I'm not comparing. I'm just saying as far as money. Fafita's a slam dunk. Bring player, in more good player. players rather than bank it all on one person. They've shown <laughs> we'll, we'll agree to disagree, but... Or, I hope to me, if we, if we don't get him, we're just pissing in the wind. You can go and get your SES. You can go and get whoever. If you don't have elite players, you're not winning. Yeah. You know, we might win uh, a few more games than what we're winning at the moment. I'm but. just saying. I, it's, I don't know the, the big rush to spend that just on him. I think they can get good players the year after. The big after. rush is an elite player off contract and he's a chance. But I think there's more good players the year after that I'd be willing to invest in and hunt multiple and try and convince them no. as a whole and have Tino and have Mo and have AJ Brimson and I honestly would move forward right now with Foggy even though he's older and I'd either put Tanner Void in or I'd move with Brimson when he's healthy and have Thompson at the back and I'd just tell Ash Taylor basically he's not part of my plans. Well, I also think it's a good time to get Brisbane to recruit a player from Brisbane. If you're, ever gonna, you. if you're ever going to drag someone from Brisbane now's the time to do it because they're in turmoil at the moment. But I still look at it and go well, if he's willing to stay there for 700, we're off from the biggest deal in history. Well, then his motive, motives aren't right. And I don't like the fact that well, he's... Not, no, well, his motives are right yeah. because he obviously thinks that I'm not going to go for the money. And, I, and I'm going to... Yeah. If no, he stays no, no, in Brisbane, I mean, then the you go, thing. okay, well... Two signs have already worried me. He didn't mm-hmm. take the deal to start with. Then he was interested in the one-year thing for the bit of the extra cash grab and almost a trial period. To me, you're either fully committed or you're not. I know he's young. But you're either on board or you're yeah, not. you've made that point. And now well, they've offered you the biggest deal in history. Again, and, we're, and we're reading on, we're reading horseshit in the papers. I'm not interested in what's in the papers. I'm interested in is he going to be a significant contributor to the Titans, winning games on the field? The answer to that is yes. So I would sign him. Well, we'll agree to disagree, but I hope for your sake if they do get. But him, you're dealing in rumors and shit in the paper. I'm, 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 I'm not just, dealing. I'm, I'm looking my... at on field. Yeah, on I'm, field. I'm will, on field, too. on field, will he make a difference? Yes, well, is so. the answer. Well, you know the answer to that. He's on an edge. He needs more help than just him. He's not going to save you. I understand that. But I'm not saying he's going to save you. 100%. But he is the gateway to getting more players. Because at the moment, no one's going there. Please. Well, we'll have to see. But apparently it's been on, off, on, off, on, off. Then they said it was going to be 48 hours. Yeah, again, but we're dealing again, in so. rumours. I don't, I don't deal in that well, shit. Well, they're all directly dealing with his mum and him. they all oh, given the information. And she keeps saying the same thing. It's all horseshit. So we're not going to know just yet, but they were talking it's going to be before the game this week. Now they're saying it's not going to be, so yeah, God knows. Right. But Who knows? Who more cares? important thing. Deal with it when um, We'll see when we get out. a result, but obviously a huge situation, a huge talent. Souths and a few other people earlier in the year made what I thought would be the biggest offer or the biggest offer I'd even consider making, which was up to a million dollars. And that would have included third parties to probably bring it down more to 800, which is kind of the market I was thinking for a top back row. But 
they've thrown their hat in the ring. And if they do end up doing it, hopefully it works out for them and him and Tino and Mo form the core of something good next year and they can press forward. But we'll have to wait and see. Tackle three, uh, the COVID situation. That's obviously not improving. Not a good thing. Melbourne clusters are broken out and they've closed the borders and we're hoping that was contained. But unfortunately, a few people got across just beforehand. There was a little spot in Albury, a couple of cases in Canberra. Now there's a pub at Cashur there, which is on a main highway, which a lot of people stop into. Now there's some cases popping up there. They've been taken and spread out, and there's a bit of a worry now that we might be getting a second wave coming through New South Wales, which is a bit of a concern. Hopefully that is not the case, but the NRL today has obviously got straight on the front foot, which is what you'd expect them to do and what you'd be hoping they would do, and we've gone back to the first stages of the bubble. So unfortunately for the players, short-lived any little bit of freedom they had. Oh, it's, it's premature. I, I've spoken to... Um, a friend of mine whose wife works in um, <clears throat> is, is fairly high, high up in infectious disease. And, um, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what's, what she sent in well, a text message stop. to him. You'd rather than be proactive because <coughs> um, we don't need any threat to the season. They're saying if it's localised and if it can stay like this for a week, we'll, we will be okay. Well, let's hope so. Um, however... Because now they're saying if it's, it's not at the it's moment, it's very localized. Yeah, so and, if they can sort of work it out, trace it, lock it down, that it'll be okay. But if it's already spread and we're in the stages of it being transmitted now, mm. we're in and, we're in a bit of strife. So I don't mind the NRL at the moment saying, "Look, we're going back. We're going to be, um, I guess, a little bit overcautious." Well, for the next two weeks, it doesn't matter. So Just keep doing the game the right going. Hundred percent, they are. Yeah. And then yeah. they've got a contingency plan, which again is not locked in. But again, they clarified today. If things got to the situation, they would be looking to go purely to Queensland. Everybody up in Queensland, they've got the facilities, whether that would be Gold Coast, Brisbane, Redcliffe, sunny coast like Melbourne. There's enough good grounds up there for Queensland Cup, Townsville, Cairns, etc. But if they got desperate enough, there'd definitely be some logistics and things that have to work out if everyone had to go up there. But at this point, if anyone thinks they're going to... What's that? I don't think there would be. I, the hospitality industry up there and the hotels oh, are just screaming. But I'm putting it this way. If anyone thinks the NRL is going to stop again, it's not. you're sadly mistaken. Yeah. When the TV deal and everything got done and Valenti's got this bad boy back on. Well, let's not let's not go into that because I was the only one out of anyone here in March that was saying that I don't know why we stopped. Oh, I'm just saying if it happens this and time. And the game would get back. It, 100%. They're going, they're going until the wheels fall off. This thing's not stopping. And nor should, stopping. nor should it. Nor should it. They will go into full lockdown. You know, for me or you, it's different because we're, we're dealing with random members of the community who we, do, who we don't know. So, Whereas these NRL players now locked down, mate. You're at training, you're home. Yeah. You're at game, you're home. You know, just boys, get through. Yeah. Just get through. Fingers crossed. Like and so. look, full respect and that, that life, that way of life is difficult. But you're in a very privileged position. Uh, I understand it's difficult not to see friends and family Look, it's a small price to pay to keep the game going, do what you love, and get paid your um, significant, uh, a significantly high pay packet. There's a lot of people who don't have jobs at the moment, so bunker down. What have we got? Eleven weeks left, ten weeks left for the teams that aren't going to make the finals, and then you know throw a, another seven or eight weeks on top of that for our elite. But you know there there is certainly light there for those teams who are thinking, well. You know, we might not play finals. There's 10 weeks of footy left. For those elite guys, you know, it's four months. Yeah, and again... Just grit your teeth for four months. Given what happened with pay and contracts and everything get back up, I'm pretty sure everyone should be on board. 
given the circumstances. Well, like to think so. Their livelihoods were under threat the first time. They're very lucky. <laughs> Things are to where they are, and they got the percentage they did, and the TV deal was done to secure the money in the future of the game. So you'd think everyone would yeah, be on board. And look, the you know you look at the cases in Melbourne, and you look at the cases in Sydney at the moment. They're poles apart. So we're we're at no point, nowhere near. Yeah. You know, back to where we were when the game shut well, down. All I'm saying. Are we are, are we seeing a little blip? Of course we are. Yes. However, it seems as though the health authorities are on top of yeah. who, what, when, where, how, why, tracing, testing. So let's just trust yeah. in the experts. Oh, we're not trust, experts. All I'm saying is they were clarifying today that they are ready for any situation. Good. But for now. And so they should be. That's their the job. The best circumstance or the best practice for them <coughs> is to go back into full lockdown for at least the next two weeks to see how things go with exactly what you said, these hotspots. And hopefully they get under control and they can come back out of it. But for now, this is the best case scenario and they've got other things in place that they're looking into in case they have to react. Yeah. So smart by the NRL to be on the front foot as they have been under this new regime the whole time. So yeah. good thing for the NRL that that is the case. Tackles four. Uh, rule changes. Again, talk about the scrums now. Super League scrapped it for the resumption of their season. That's one that's been brought up. Some people have argued for. Some people have argued against. Your thoughts on the scrum. And if it got scrapped altogether, do you think it would have a bearing on it? Yeah, the get rid of it. Because a lot of people are saying, well, if you do that... From, you... a, from a coaching perspective, I like it. You're I like to attack that. from a scrum, but... Yeah, that was what I was about to say. I, I uh, think... Look, if they want to get rid of it, re- it, they're taking the piss with how they're... A lot of teams are just taking a hit up. Yeah, they're off. <clears throat> a lot of defensive teams are offside on purpose. Get rid of it. My other thing, I the guess... Super got rid of it. We're getting to the point where we've sped up everything. You know, the penalties basically gone. Everything is so fast. This would be one of the only situations left, I guess, where there's a bit of a stoppage and a bit of a break for any big men. Um, and I'm still of the opinion after watching for nine weeks now that there's no possible way we can drop down to six interchanges. Not at the moment. I think if you were going to go that step again and get rid of that, which is another stoppage and keep things flowing, to the way that we're seeing games go and the flow and the extra ball in play and extra sets and all that right now, there's no possible way we're going to six next year. No. No way. But for me... The few teams that do use the scrums to their advantage, I really do like the fact now that they can pick their spot and they have set plays and they can use it. But for the most part, unless it's in good ball, you're right. Most people pack in for a defensive split. And I hear people all the time go, why does a centre and a winger and this and that do there? And they make it like it's some stupid thing. It's it's not stupid. So when you split from the scrum, your defensive line's back in order of where it's supposed to be. Yeah. And from an attacking perspective, you get the players out that you're going to use in a set play. Um, but yeah, most people only utilise it. It is a bit of a joke to watch. I wish they were a bit quicker, but yeah, I think we do need to be a little bit careful with that situation. But that was talked about consistency around the rules. I think this is one of the first weekends a lot of people were very frustrated or starting to get a little frustrated with six agains, consistency in some games, penalty counts. Uh, a lot of people were blowing up the Warriors-Titans game as to how it was a 5-0 penalty count, six agains in some games. And the biggest blip of all, I guess, out of all this has been the bunker the last two weeks. But yeah. particularly this weekend, gone. A lot of people saying drop the bunker, get rid of people there, change the people up, and it was clarified by Graham Annesley, but that can't happen. So uh, I get that, but my God, I don't know what they're thinking with some of the decisions. The Jack Hetherington one just absolutely blew my mind. The bloke's trying to pick up the ball. What are you supposed to do? Mm. You don't wait until he secures the ball. As soon as he's got his hand on it, in my opinion, you're allowed to touch him. <clears throat> you don't yeah. have to wait for him to fully secure the football. They were at a try. The sin binning and how they come up with that one, and I'm a Melbourne fan, <laughs> I was sitting there shaking my head for Raiders fans. That was ridiculous. It shouldn't matter who you support. I'm just saying. Like, like no, but I, I I get frustrated when you have to preface it with, oh, well, I support... It doesn't matter. that Any any rugby league fan, any person 
who can't watch that vision regardless of who they support and say that's a wrong call. He's a fucking knucklehead. Mm. Uh, same as the Manly one last week. Wrong yeah. call. That I'm, you know, I have to. I'm a Titans fan. That went that went for the Titans. Yeah. I was looking at that saying that's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, well, like I said, both, both absolutely our teams ridiculous. Week now, going, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, and and Canberra had plenty of chances to win the game against Melbourne. The Warriors had ample chance, led twelve nil yeah. against the Titans. So then, that's not the reason these teams lost those games. However, it, the fact effect, is, though. they need to fucking get it right. Yeah. Well, it's the, you biggest, to get it's the right. biggest spend of money. And whether you like it or not, you, you give coaches room to complain, you give them room to make excuses, uh, and you just place pressure on yourselves when essentially they, the, the, the referees don't need it. They don't need any more pressure than what they're under. Uh, look, I think the sooner we put a broom through the referees and, you know, just to how they're refereeing... I, I don't know. The game's over-officiated. I've said that for years. Um, sitting in the coach's box, at, in, you know, and I've said this before as well, during junior rep games, and you can just sense a penalty coming because the game's flowing. We hear it because you've got the ref um, mic on the games we get back. And they're talking Yeah, the no, but even when you're I'm coaching and watching a game live, you're just like, the referee's just going to insert himself into this game in a minute. And sure enough, whether it goes for me or against us, I, it, it's not about that. It's just... The fact that they've got these KPIs they've got to meet and they've got someone in their ear and the touches are in their ear and they're just looking to blow penalties. You're out on the field to protect the integrity of the game, to ensure that the game is being played fairly between two teams, not to make black and white on every single rule in the book or to find a certain amount of penalties each game. It's fucking ridiculous how they referee and how they're taught to referee. Uh, I think we've got some unbelievably talented and fantastic referees in our game, but I just wish that they would have someone who would lead them with some clarity because all we do to the referees is we pile on more rules, more challenges, more video referees, more bunkers, more rule changes. Just simplify the game. Our game is beautiful because it's simple, Uh, and, and all we're doing at the moment is making it more complex. Uh, look, and, and I'll, what I will say is I think Peter Vlandis is, is really trying to move the game to two places. I think to make it less complex and to make it more entertaining, which I think is fantastic. But I think every decision that is made, the first decision or the first, I guess, criteria around whether it's going to be effective or not needs to be, is it going to be difficult for someone to officiate? Mm. Um, you know, and the, the six again... Do I think it's it's difficult to officiate? No, but I just feel as though you've got Rest referees that bit yeah, but they've been told to if you see this, if you see that, and they, they get you know yourself, they get tip sheets into games. Yeah. They're studying players. They're studying how to give penalty how to give more penalties in games. Well, like I said, there's been a few games I've been confused about the consistency in the rap. The one the other week was you were sitting there with me at the Panthers Tigers game. I thought Penrith were rolling pretty well and they couldn't buy a six again, but on the other side they were getting hammered. Every single tackle. And then on the weekend, there was a couple of games again where I looked and didn't have a dog in the fight. But I, I'm still a little bit confused. Some refs absolutely hammer it. I think Adam G the last few weeks has been absolutely murdering the six again. He's giving them out left, right and centre. And then there's other games that hasn't been one for 60 minutes. Yeah. And I'm like, well, okay. You, you want to let the rucks go, that's fine. But I just think the application, and we said this from the start, it's going to be different from ref to ref. But I don't understand how it can be so different. I really don't. Hopefully that 
gets ironed out by the start of next year. But yeah, the bunker. Well, is, no, it needs to be sorted now. The bunker gives you everything. It's the clearest thing. It's got the most money spent on it. It's the biggest asset, but at the same time, right now, it's the biggest embarrassment to the game. It should be the one thing we can't get wrong. Mm. So the scrum thing. I well, can no, see no, arguments no, for no, and against. To to expect them to to get them all right. They is wrong. They should get a is wrong. Right they're gonna, they're gonna, yeah, got. of course they should. Like Jesus Christ! But you know the odd one that they get want. wrong. That's subjective. Yeah, okay. But well, the, the fact is that to these wrong. three in the last two weeks have they're blatantly they've been wrong, horrendously wrong. Like you can't get them wrong. You can't. You know so. what? You know what? What? Why isn't the one person in there for every game? Oh, who knows? Well, the same people. I know it's a hard gig. I know Super Saturday would suck. You know what? Because you're in there for three games, but. Look, if Graham Mannersley's the head of football, head of officiating, or whoever's the head, the head, he should the head of officiating should be sitting there. And he's the one coming out after the fact on a lot of these and going, that was wrong, or this is wrong, I would have done this. You go, well, jump in. You know, the, the NFL, they have the command centre in New York. The head of officiating is sitting there. Yeah. He rubber stamps every decision that well, he's made. The one who really got me, though, was Jared Maxwell's the senior referee. Like, Please. Chitty, yeah, that doesn't really surprise me, but Maxwell in particular, um, yeah. That really surprised me, but the bunker needs to get. But if Annesley's going to come out on a Monday and say it's wrong, yeah, it's, wrong. Out, like, it's too late. Yeah, it's gone. Be, Be in the box and fix it. Yep. All right. Tackle five. Moving on from that one. Uh, what have I got here? I've missed a few bits. I'd happily, I'd happily sit in the box and watch every game yeah. and tell them when they're right and wrong. I, I tell you what, I would have got those three right. Yeah, I thought they were clear cut. They were pretty hard to get those wrong. No doubt about it. Run through some signing news, shall we? And we, as we mentioned before, your mob, Titans, SESI, two years. I think that's a good buy. Super, game changer. Good buy. Yeah. Not super long term, probably for solid terms. I think that was smart. Uh, there's been some movement, obviously, over the weekend as well. There's been a fair bit, which is why we're doing it here for Tackle 5. Lafayette, the situation there at the Dragons where he's basically been frozen out, not getting to play any football. The talk is, I haven't seen anything official just yet. I don't know if you did or not, but looks like it's on the cards, a return home to the Bulldogs. Yeah. I don't know if that changes now, given the coach, if he had anything to do with it. I highly mm. doubt it. He seems like he had no control over any of that sort of stuff. But well, I think that's the problem. The it? word yeah. is he will be heading back to the Dogs potentially immediately. One of their own players they had there who wasn't getting a run, who is moving to Manly next year, is a knock-on effect there, Morgan Harper, a young centre. He's now at Manly immediately, so that gives me the thought that Lafayette probably is coming in. And in the same knock-on effect there where Morgan goes to join... Manly for two seasons up to 2022. They released Sam Smith, who they picked up from Penrith last year. He's gone back to Queensland. The dog situation again, and probably another point I forgot to throw in before that we definitely need to talk about was the reinstatement of Harawir and Iron Ockenball. What an awkward situation that is for the club while they've got all this other stuff going on. Mm. Two guys that given the off-season incident, they lost a half million dollar sponsorship and they thought why technically it wasn't illegal what had happened, that what they'd done was, you know, completely against the standards of the competition and players in the competition the way they should behave. Uh, the integrity unit said they should be deregistered. The NRL followed up and they lost at the appeals committee. Mm. So technically, as of right now, they're reinstated as Bulldogs. The question, I guess, for them is, do you want to keep them? Well, look, do I'll, you keep them? Do they want to be there? I'll say right them? now, I know that Corey Harawira Naira has been training with a another club in mind. <clears throat> well, I know three clubs that have been talking... And again, they were basically confirmed yesterday by everybody. The Raiders are very interested, no surprise, given they're looking for players. Bateman's out the door. The Warriors are interested. They're generally always interested in New Zealand players. He's New Zealand, New Zealand boy. There. I'm pretty sure so, he came across two Penrith from That's New right. That's an opportunity. And the other one was the Dragons because they feel that Frizzell's going and they could use him right now. 
So Raiders yeah. and Dragons are two that are very, very keen right now. And yeah. Both have got a back row leaving, and they can probably get somebody on his current deal. The fly in the ointment is, well, the Bulldogs need to say, you're gone. You can so. look elsewhere. I'd find it hard now that the Bulldogs would say, we've punted you, and now you're back, or now you, we've we've been told that we need to take you back, My that only, they wouldn't then say, well, this probably isn't the right working the relationship. Go? You're free to look elsewhere. Can the Bulldogs, and this is one thing I was going to say, possibly for Corey, who is one of their better players, if they are willing to keep him, was he there when Barrett was I don't think the that's coach? the question. Does he have a link with that? I don't that? think that's the question. The question's not whether... They want to keep him. I think the question is: Is he? Does he want to play there? Given the circumstances of what's happening, they punted him. Yeah, and they get, they're running last by a mile, and he knows that there's other clubs out there, like a Canberra, who are, you know, knocking on the door, are an elite side in our competition, that want to sign him. Yeah, well, he, he has. He, he's he's played under Barrett. Yes, again to answer your question. Yes, so I only he he would have played a handful of games in twenties. Contact trying to, but say he, to he became down. a starting twenties player when Seraldo himself took over. Were coaching them. So yeah, but he was there the year before that. Yep. He did play some games under Trent Barrett. Yes. So whether he's trying to get into contact and pull something, but I'm sure putting myself in that situation, right there, wrongly, whatever people think of the situation, I'm not getting to the moral side here. But from a football club perspective. Where they are right now, I'm sure he's someone they'd like to keep, but given what's happened and now that it's been overturned... He's a test player. I don't think he's going to want to be there. I all. think Ockenbore, on the other hand, has played juniors there. Yeah. Probably never wanted to play anywhere else. I don't else think there'd be Bulldogs. as much interest for Jaden no. as there would be for Corey. So I, I, I would... If I had to bet now, I would say Ockenbore would stay. Harawira Nora would go. Mm. Would and be where if I... If you were Harawira Nora, and again, taking out all the moral stuff and people get outraged, so they shouldn't have been brought back. Let's take that out of the and picture I'll, right I'll, I'll say I haven't spoken Warriors, to Corey. Raiders, or Dragons, if you were him, where would you go? Raiders. Um, but if he wants to go home, New Zealand, obviously. Mm. Uh, I haven't spoken to Corey, but I know that... Well, I've heard through people, you know, obviously within Clubland, that there are, there are a few movements. This is prior to yesterday, yep. prior to this happening, that... You know, he was looking at A, B, C, and D as his options. So, yeah. well, there are two more that are in the mix now, and obviously, because I, I obviously, yeah, I've, I've coached the kid. I want, I want to see him do well. He he'd made a a really good impact coming into grade, and you know, played Test footy, and you know, moving from Penrith was difficult to go to the the Dogs, but he played really, Partly really well. Salary cap motivated. No, 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 hundred percent, and an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. good pay, um, good for everyone. I think he made the best of his situation there. That's for sure, and that he was certainly a loss for Dean Pay. Yeah, uh, but. Look, I don't, I don't think that the Bulldogs present the best place for him to play his best footy. Well, not now, given the circumstances. And I particularly agree. other way, uh, you know, they've really shown their true colours over the last twenty four hours. So, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of be telling the kid to go somewhere else. And again, not going to get into a big debate about this. We talked about it at the time it happened. A lot of people outraged some <laughs> other way today. It's, it is what it is. It, it's gone. It's been done with. I don't agree with what happened. I think. Who are we talking about? Corey and who cares? It's, it's done. It's done. They're gonna. They're gonna. They've, they've their done appeal. their crime. They can technically. They're like gonna do today, the time. One of the options is they could fire them, but by fair work, they would end up in court and they'd win that case. So well, or, yeah. Or I guess the, if the issue is they're not gonna win it. Fair well, the trade. issue is for those boys is now that they they're gonna get paid for that the last eleven or fourteen weeks. Yeah. So, whereas to be sacked, they wouldn't have been paid. So yeah. they're now owed paid by the Bulldogs. Yeah. As far as common sense would say, well, I don't know that books, for sure. So yeah. But yeah, um, they're two more that can be considered either there or elsewhere on the market. But, but I don't know whether Canterbury could argue. Well, they're not working. Well, they're, they're, when you're injured, they're, they're not, not work, working. No, no, no. But, but I mean, they're, back. they're not at the club. 
they haven't yeah, been they shouldn't any... have been dismissed, so you'd think they're entitled to their contracts. I would, so. I would believe so. I'm pretty yeah. sure they'd be back to getting paid. That's why I think they got the fine and the suspensions given to them, which is why Corey, yeah. if it's a 10-game suspension, he's only one round away from being 10 games in. So yeah. I'm assuming he'll be paid all his money. But moving on to the last couple we've got here, Kate Ellis, immediately from Penrith, talking about another guy. Delta. Not in their plans. Good, solid guy who can play edge, middle, good in the 20s, man of the match in the uh, cup grand final the other year. Gets an opportunity for the rest of the season. And uh, good on Penrith for letting him go to the Dragons, who could definitely use someone like him. He'll yeah, he's, again, another one I had a lot to do with in that 20 side. And he was in sort of the uh, the reserves or in the squad. So a lot of the boys I had a lot to do with taking them out to Windsor. He toiled away playing Sydney Shield, Ron Massey, for the majority of that year, 2015. Yeah. Didn't play a lot of uh, a, a lot of 20s that year, but went on and played great. Corey was another one. Uh, Corey Harawira and Ira, the Luai, Cleary, um, all those guys. Corey Waddell. Mm-hmm. Jed Cartwright, also from Penrith. Again, not part of the plans. Unlikely to get many games with what they've got there. He's gone to South till 2023. I was more surprised by the length of the deal, so I'd imagine the value would be pretty low Yeah, to get three years. Can play a bit of back row, centre. Uh, he's been a bit injury prone. He's a big body. Um, You'd think yep. that's a Demetrio decision for Demetrio. that length. Well, he's going to get the gig, isn't he? Yeah, I'll do you know what I mean? Like for the, for, the, for the contract to be that long, someone that suits him. Maybe Demetrius sort of going, "Well, I want him for longer." But, yeah, I see him being a part of what I want to do moving forward. Yeah. If uh, it was a Bennett decision, you probably go, well, "I get it." The year, then Demetrio can make a well, they, decision. The way on, they worded it, they're looking to turn him into a top seventeen player. So if they're getting him three years, I'd assume it's yeah. average money, and they're looking to work with him. Well, you know, you know what? I, you know, I like something. that. That they say, well. He's not a starter at the moment, but you know what? We're going to invest some time into him. We we're going to coach we him, him and we're going to get him to be a top. That's that's what good salary cap management looks yeah. like. So they're thinking in that situation, no one else is probably offering that. We can get him here and do something. We're not going to pay him a lot of coin, but I'll tell you what, by the end of his deal, he's going to be playing above what we're paying him. Yeah. And that's when you win. So last few ones we got here, uh, after some of those smaller ones moving internally and a couple of signings moving forward. Canberra, two things on the cards. Nick Kotrick, they've upped their deal. The Bulldogs were in for three years, $1.8 million, so 600 a season. Canberra were at half a million. They've now come back with five years at 2.5. So they're basically saying, take the 100000 less. Let us know fairly soon. They're not putting a deadline on it, but they obviously want to keep moving. Yep. Um, and they're basically pitching the idea that five years, half a million, we don't see as a centre. We see you as a winger, but if you stay here, you're more likely to play finals and play rep football, which should make up the difference in the 100000 And if you're going to take the extra money, well, consider that for your long-term future. It's a little bit extra for three years, yes, but are you going to play rep football? Are you going yeah. to play finals? He's playing centre that important to you. And they've signed a young kid from England. They've gone to Wigan again, taken one from their academy, highly touted back row named Harry Rushton for three years. The plan again from Mar Holland, from the way it was spoken about, he'll come over jump into the 20s pathway next year because he's only 18, but they expect him to turn into a first grader within 12 months. So they've got huge wraps on the kids. So he's one to look out for for Raiders fans. And the last bit for the day, Reid Marnie. A lot of talk from the start of the year that uh, Parramatta were going back and forth on getting a deal done there. He's been really, really good this season. He's developing further and further. He is now signed for two more years. So yeah, good situation good for both him and Para. Um, if he continues to improve over... The next two years, and he pushes himself into that Queensland frame. Well, then who knows? His next deal might be a very, well, very good he's one. He's in the Queensland frame. Most definitely. There's a couple <clears> of young hookers. But tackle six to finish off. Uh, <clears> we obviously went big on those first couple, but <coughs> always an interesting one the players poll. And it's always interesting because it's voted on by the players. About 150 from the 16 clubs, uh, and it's by the Sydney Morning Herald. But 
it's on things like best players in positions, best clubs most likely to go to, but best fullback in the NRL. I don't think you're really surprised about the vote on that one, Brock. Fifty percent or just over James Tedesco. Yeah, I'm I'm shocked it's that yeah. low. Yeah, I'm surprised as well. <laughs> Tom was next on twenty one, Roger ten, and then there was a little bit between Caelan Ponga. But surprisingly, Dylan Edwards got into the top five. He voted for himself. So three percent there, I don't think there's an argument. The best winger, this one makes me happy because I said a lot of time last year about his form. By the players, they voted for Daniel Tupo. There you go. And no surprise number two with his form the way he's been this year, they voted for Brett Morris. So the two Roosters wingers are up there. Not for Luma and Ferguson. We're not far behind. Sevo and Felt had 7% of the vote. But yeah, the top two getters were 22% for Tupo. Morris, um, Ferguson won that one last year. Is there anyone there? I guess other guys that had good years last year. Like Fox is playing nowhere near what he was. You know, Ken Marmolo's down on the form that he had. Like most of the guys, you would have been throwing that argument, aren't playing good enough football no. to be voted for this year. Best center, again, I'm not surprised. Joey Marnie got 44% of the vote. Um, given that Latrell would now be considered a fullback and again on form Josh Morris again with his resurgence was the next best with 13 Michael Jennings' resurgence 9% yeah I would have said yeah. um, I think Katoni Staggs is going to be the one that will be up there with Manu but he obviously hasn't played I was going to say there's a good group of four <clears> here <throat> all got a couple of votes in best Stags and Crichton so a lot of young guys there that are mm. obviously in on the vote that the Roosters dominate in the back line positions 5'8", this year, closely contested between two guys, and no surprise, they've probably been the best two in that position. Luke Carey and Munster, but Luke Carey came out on top from the player's perspective, mm-hmm. 43%. Other guys, some guys gave some votes for Dylan Brown. That doesn't surprise me. I think Luke Carey is the best player in the game right now. He's been excellent. <laughs> Jack White and obviously got some votes, and Luke Carey on that last year. Best halfback, another one that's contested, but Mitchell Pearce from the players is the best halfback. I think Cleary's been the best halfback by a mile. He was number two. Equal um, him Pierce and Cherry Evans. I, I think Pearce has been a little bit ordinary Moses the last month. is in fourth, <laughs> a bit further behind, and Ben Hunt somehow still got into the top five with his form, and he's not even playing there anymore, so that's a surprise. Yeah. Best prop, Adam Finua-Blake. It was a close one, but he's 18%. Papali got 13% from the players. Jared Rea... 12, Haas, 11, and Fisher-Harris, 9. So, a bit of a mixed uh, group. Don't agree with that one. <clears throat> how, how Paulo on RCG, if, if you're talking about form? Well, if this was a couple of <clears throat> weeks ago, I guess, the way they started this year, but yeah. Payne, how Payne Haas isn't ahead of Adam Fennell Blake? Who would you rather in your team? For long term right or now, Adam I'd, I'd take Right Haas. now, I'd take, I'd hate take Haas. I, I can't Last know, year, this year, and five years time. He's the most important, I think, for them. <clears throat> Offloads, meters, yardage. He's a good player. Yeah, super. Best second row, Kikau won the vote, 28%. Boyd Cordner, 17 for Feeder, 10. Graham, basically the same. Frizzell, 6. Madison, I can't believe. He didn't get any, not in the top five there. <clears throat> Unbelievable. So that's a bit of a surprise. Kikau, like I said, Kikau's ability all in all and everything he brings, but consistency-wise, yeah. I wouldn't say he's the best week-to-week back row, that's for sure. I think there's other guys that are more consistent. Way Graham's form this year. That's I think really that this, from a player's perspective, they're going well. Who don't I want to play against? Really, yeah, probably. And there's different reasons for why they would vote for certain players and how we would look in terms of, of form. Yeah. Well, the best lock. I don't think that's any surprise. Every single year, fifty percent of the vote, Tamalola. Yeah. Number two was Jake at twenty percent. Trebojevic and Radley was there at ten. I thought he might have grabbed a little bit more of the vote and. Yeah. Bit of respect for Isaiah, who's made a great transition to the middle of the field. There, he's not too far behind. Yeah, he's there, had so. a great year. Best hooker, still Smith. Coruscant racked up a good percentage as well, 23%, about 10 behind. And Harry Grant, 12. And Damian Cook showing about his form this year. And obviously a lot of people 
seeing those other couple of guys there. He's down in fourth on eight percent with Hodgson. So a um, bit of a drop there, I guess. Adjustment with a lot of forwards going out of their team, not having as good a platform in the playoff, but definitely a lot of respect there for Apisai Koroshow, who's picked up high percentage of the vote and the best player in the NRL is voted by the players was no surprise either. James Tedesco. Yeah. Given the way he's been playing the last 12 months, um, he got 50% of the vote. Tamalolo was number two. Smith dropped significantly after being the winner last year. He was down in third. Tom Mitchell Moses being voted in to the top five really surprised me. I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't say Mitchell Moses isn't the top five best players in the NRL. No. I don't even think he's in the top three halfbacks, but no. my opinion. Who who were the five? Who were the, sorry, who were I oh know the Sesco top three are? Got fifty percent. How, how Luke Curie is in the, in there is ridiculous. Well again. How Cameron Munster isn't in there is ridiculous to me. Yeah. I'd drop out who were the who were the bottom two? Tom Travoyevich. I'd drop Travoyevich and Moses, Moses out and I'd have Curie and Munster. So how is Trump, Tom Travoyevich in there? He's never fit. Same He's had two long injuries. Everyone... I, I get a best player. When he's on the field. Yeah. yeah, okay. Over three or four years now, he's missed a lot of football, that's for sure. Yeah. Best coach in the NRL, uh, Trent Robertson, now on top. Yeah. No I'm surprise. Two comps in a row. Craig Bellamy, not far behind on 17. Wayne Bennett still sits at third. That one kind of surprised me. Ivan. The top two are streaks ahead. Ivan and Adam O'Brien both getting a little bit of respect there. Kind of surprised Arthur didn't feature somewhere in there, but um, yeah, the top two, like you said. Best captain, that one's no surprise. Cameron Smith won that by a mile. I think Corden is a great captain as well. Yep. Yeah, he was number two. Tamir, getting some respect there in at third. Two of us are Sheck's a great captain. Most impressive rookie from the players, no surprise there. Harry Grant almost got 50% of the vote there. Yeah. Next up was Bradman Best, and then there was a bit of a mix between Stephen Crichton, I think Burton, I Crichton had him higher. and Katoa from uh, the Warriors. The buy of the year, well, again, it's a swap deal, but... Everyone's voted for Harry Grant and then Coruscant. How is that a buy of the year? Well, he's already said today he's oh, going back to Melbourne. So Coruscant buy. Coruscant buy of the year, and I think Madison would probably be one of the next one. And the if you're going off value, with the two Morrises have been a great value. Absolutely for yeah. the Roosters, most damaging tackler. They voted for Victor Adley, the inflictor. Him and Tafua almost took share there, forty percent and thirty eight percent. Dylan Harper. He's fallen well off. He won it last year. He's fallen down. It's been Tell a while. I wouldn't want to run into James Fisharis. Nah, not a bloke I'd be looking for. I'd rather run at Victor Radley than James Fisharis. I wouldn't want to find Jared either, just quietly. <laughs> no, no. Jared's not a guy I'd find, not just for the hits, but for other reasons. Hardest to tackle, I don't think there's too much of a surprise again. Yeah. Tamalolo got over half the vote, and then behind him with a smaller percentage, but they had Nelson, Nelson. kick out. So, Hardest to tackle? I would think it would be Tamalolo and then Roger. See, Roger stepped. I think it was young Bo for more on the weekend. Yeah, skipped around. Bo for more had three cracks at him and didn't get him any in any of the games. Yeah, not a fair. Best sledger. No, no, I like Bo for more. I think no, Bo he... for more is a good player, but well, like, un- unfamiliar position out on an island against Roger. Good yeah, luck. but one on one doesn't matter where you stand on the field. Yeah. Like he's going past. Good him. luck. Best sledger. No surprise he won that award. Josh McGuire got the highest percentage in that category. Reynolds got a little bit. Lou, I got a bit. Bit of lip. Should be best shit talker. Yeah, Romy, Romy talks a lot. A little bit coming out of there. Dahlia Metal, well, they're voting for Tamalola, 50%. I guess he's the only one who gets votes for the Cowboys in any game, really, at this point in time. Yeah, we've got to win games to get votes. Yeah, well, I think Tedesco. It's a bit of a surprising one. Apart yeah, from but, your but team. The floor in the system is, like, how isn't Kiri leading that? By streets. Well, who's voting for this? Top end players, bottom end players? Like, yeah. That's how they like, No, no, I mean the Dally M. How yeah, is it like. The Dally M's not a true reflection no, every year. That's for sure. We've talked about not. that. 
apart from your team, who the players will think will win the Premiership. They've got the Roosters with almost 50%, the Eels with the next best on 30 and then the Panthers and the Storm got small percentages after that. Yeah. So the players obviously feel... Well, Eels... you take out the Eels and the Roosters players and then you... Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't leave you with many because the Roosters players have probably said Eels, Panthers maybe. Yeah. And the... The Roosters play, are the Eels players and Panthers players have probably said Roosters. This is one of the ones for me that I always like. If you had to leave your club, which team would you want to sign with? And again, this probably comes from some of the lower to middle tier players, but no surprise, the Roosters have the highest percentage, but second best is still the Broncos. Yeah. So again, well, given the past, the club. So for all the shit talk that comes out of their ex-players and all the people that, you know, the places are shambles and no one wants to go there and this, that and the other, it is a destination or a club that people want to go is. to. Melbourne's there at 14%. Knights is the one that got a massive jump up here. They're a destination that clearly a lot of people are looking at now. 12% and then Manly was fifth with 6%. But the Roosters still Manly. far and away above the one that a lot of players said uh, <coughs> they would go to. And then they had a second part of this come out today. I think that was more to do with rule changes and other bits and pieces. The if you... fans, fans poll, wasn't it? No, it's the player poll. So they're asking players about rule changes and other bits and pieces. If you're going to start up a new team, who would be the first player you sign? No surprise. They said James Tedesco, but Tom Chiboyevich, mm-hmm. Kalen Ponga, not far behind, then Tamawala. Might be Luke Thank so you. All fullbacks you. first, <laughs> and then him, and the only halfback to make the list sliding in at number five was Nathan Cleary at 7%. But Tedesco got the biggest amount from the players. Which team they love to beat the most? The Broncos. Got 25% of the vote. I would think it'd be the Roosters. They've just won back-to-back premierships. Well, the three are uh, second, third, and fourth, or even not far behind, where Roosters, Eels, and Storm. So it's mostly the top dogs that people obviously like to get over. New South Wales has been voted the winner this year by most people, 2-1, almost 50% of the vote. A player that most deserves to make their debut, there's no surprise in that. You've been mentioning him, Luke Keary got 62% of the vote. He would have played last year without concussion. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Do you believe the NRL should introduce a standalone origin period in the middle of the season? It's 60-40 for yes. So, yeah, I guess there's a bit there. Is there enough talent to cater for a 17th team? The players certainly think so. That's one that a lot of people argue about. 83% saying there's definitely. And the next team, 50% of them say it should be in Brisbane, 20% Perth. So... That's more because I know it's going to Brisbane. Yeah, I think I agree with you. On a scale of 1 to 5, how would you rate the referees in 2020? From the players, uh, in the not not very good by the looks of things here. What do they got here? How's that? Three point three five. Three point three out of five. Out of five. So it's a little bit better. And it's up on the last few years. Yeah, two years ago they were basically a two and a half. Hmm. So players feeling a bit better about the situation. Do they agree with the decision to go to one ref? Fifty percent said yes. Almost forty percent said they don't care. Yeah. And 10% said no. So Well, the 37% of your middle forwards. Yeah. <clears throat> Scale of 1 to 5, how do you rate 
the performance of the new administration compared to previous years. That's, again, significantly up. It was almost under 2.5. Now it's at 3.5, so they're clearly happy with where things are going. The 6-again rule was a positive addition. 60% say yes. 27% too early. 14% no. I'm sure that was middle forwards. You don't like that? No, too early to tell. Yeah, I'm saying, is it a positive addition? I think that 14% would be some of the big boppers in the middle of the field. How many captain's challenges should teams get? 63% said one. 29% said two. 7% none. Five minutes sin bin, they were 50-50 on, so clearly they're not too worried about that. And should the bunker be able to rule on forward passes? They're torn on that one again. 32%. 37 said no, and 30% only ones that lead to tries. Support for suburban grounds is the big argument for a lot of people. 90% of the players say they'd like to go back to suburban grounds. Also, would. Grand final, afternoon or twilight, almost had 80% of the voters compared nighttime grand yeah, final. Yeah, but and then if you said to the players, well, that means you get paid 10% less, they go, oh, no, nighttime's good. We'll do nighttime, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the last one, and this is one that a lot of people have argued about for a long time, should there be an 18th man for foul play? An injury if a player's taken out of the game and almost 90% of the players it's a no-brainer. agreed. It so. should have happened three or four years ago when we first started banging on about it on this show. Yeah, well, I think that's one that anyone... Probably longer. ...makes an argument otherwise. I don't understand We did it in SG deserve. Ball this year. It was easy. Well, like, say the other night, Josh Reynolds kicks Campbell Gray on the face and he doesn't come back. Yeah. And then he stays on. How is that fair to the Rabbitohs? It's not. It's not their fault. You should be able to have somebody Even there. having the 18th, it's still not fair because he might not be able to play that position. No, nah, exactly. But at least having someone there. So but you certainly shouldn't be disadvantaged. No, nah, 100%. And there you go. There's some bits and pieces out of the player poll. Sometimes. You know, the, yeah. yeah. Bit of interest, but we'll move on to our power rankings for this week. Brock, brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. And if you tackle your rising power bills head on this season, you want to do it with the help of the team at Penrith Solar Centre. They are passionate about helping Western Sydney sin bin Electricity bills for good. Find out how they can help you and your family. The big winners this season for quality solar solutions. Visit their website today on www.penrosolar.com.au or give them a call on 1800 20 Jake and the team at Penrose Solar Centre are your go-to. Brock, I think these can be pretty quick because the top four I doubt have changed. Number one, the Roosters. No, I've got the Panthers. Wow, all right. Jumping up. Yep. I think the Roosters... Injury form, is it? Yeah, I just think Penrith are flying at the moment. And we're picking who would we think would win this weekend. Um, I think the Panthers have beat the Roosters right now. All right. Well, I left the Roosters at one because regardless of what happens, they just keep on winning and I didn't expect them to win that big. Uh, number two, I left Parramatta there. I've got the Roosters. All right. All right. I've slid Parramatta down to three because they played, uh, they played really poor on the weekend, I thought. Um, and I think... Penrith and the Roosters at the moment would would get them. Yep. Well, all right. Penrith fired at three. Uh, but it was a good win on the weekend. Obviously, some good signs. We've seen another kid play in Charlie Staines, and it just keeps proving the depth of their squad and the position they're in. Number four, I left the Storm there. Storm. So, Munster and a few guys didn't play for Lee's. Bromwich is Still going to be out now. Uh, you know, they're just chipping they're away. They're on their own little island, I think. They're not quite up to the top three, and they're certainly ahead of the rest, I think. No. Number five, who you got? Rabbitohs. Well, I've got the Knights. I know they lost on the weekend. Um, they've I've been the rabbits up. stuttering the last few weeks, but I still think, again, with what's to come back, I kind of sit there and look at them and think they're a bit further ahead. Number six, you've got Newcastle, I'm assuming? No, I've got the Raiders. All right. Well, I have Souths at six now. 
I think South got the job done on Friday. It was one of their better sort of performances through their spine. And Reynolds ran the first time in about three years and made a line break, which was amazing. Played mm. one of his better games. But uh, again, with injuries to a lot of these other teams around them, including Canberra, I've kind of given them an edge up. Yeah, look, I, Canberra are playing with a lot more effort. That's why I've got Canberra at six. I've got Newcastle at seven. Yep. Well, Newcastle's attack. I think what's not helping, again, McCulloch offers good service, but he's more defensive. A lot of teams are absolutely teeing up on Ponger. He got smoked a few times again on the weekend, and Pierce is playing injured at the moment with a knee. Yeah, I just so still I think, think they're playing a lot of block-block footy. They're, they're playing a lot of set-up footy. A little bit too predictable. Like I think the strength in their attack at the start of the year was that they were playing on the back of young Brayley, who was faster out of there. Yeah. Now they're playing a more lateral-style game. Uh, also, I just don't know whether their props and their middle forwards are bending the line back as much as they were at the start of the year, allowing their halves and key position guys to sort of get one-on-one on the edges. I feel, like you said, the fact that Ponger and Pierce and that are getting belted a little bit is because they've got less time and they're probably having to play a little bit more lateral. Well, it goes back to the point that I talked about last year, and you agree with me, Coruscant there actually makes the ruck accountable, holds up markers and those ABC defenders because you have to actually worry about what he's doing, as was Braley was doing at the start of the year, yeah. he was having a great impact on the ruck, which means you can get your halves good ball without inside pressure. With McCulloch there now, unfortunately, he's a bit older, a bit slower, not as crafty. You get good service, but you get inside pressure a lot more. So you're forced to play a bit quicker, and yeah, they're probably, you know, you yeah. need to touch the football and do a bit more. Uh, I've got Canberra at seven. I thought they were outstanding on the weekend. The effort's still there, and I think they'll continue to show that effort regardless of the injuries. I think the two hooker rotation they've got coming in will still do a good job for them. Harvey and Starling, different players, but I, I still think they'll give trouble to some sides just purely, again, like you said, on effort and some of the quality they've got in their team. But Who have you got at eight? This week? Yeah. You'd be surprised. Who I put the Tigers in even oh, after the loss. Oh, mate, there you but, go. Yeah, I got the Tigers at eight. Well, I said it last Only week. because I can't. The Sharks got murdered well, by 50. Everyone, the Cowboys got murdered. He's gave me shit last week. Um, Manly, Manly, Manly uh, were. Out or, you know, Cronulla or the Tigers. Manly in, got but, pumped by the Dragons. Yeah. Look, and poor old Manly, like, they're just, they're pushing shit uphill at the moment. Like, oh, they've no got four, no eight, threat no out of six, nine. No they've nine. got no six. It's just, every team is just putting six on Cherry Evans' side, yeah. and they're just rushing him from the inside. Yeah. That Mate, they are a tough footy side, and they were in that game for 60 minutes on the weekend, and it blew out late, but He's got they, they just can't, they can't score. <laughs> they can help. get field position, but in that final 20, they, they can't score. They're, they're a top eight side. That are just rudderless. They're rudderless. Yeah. They've got. They just don't have that other attacking threat. And I've only heard it in the mainstream media for the first time this week. But I said it two or three weeks ago. I don't think people are given anywhere near as much credit to Coruscant and Farnham. Yeah, hundred percent. They had two gun nines last year, and they could play them together. And they used to just. Push. And now the nine position has been made more important. It's gone. It's more important, and they don't have either of them. Yeah. And they don't have their six, and they don't have their one, who's their most damaging and creative player. And they've also lost their best front row. He's suspended right now. And for look, his own stupidity. didn't have a great game on the weekend. Yeah. He dropped a couple of pills. And... He's under pressure because he's got to take control of everything. He's got to handle the football more. And like you said, it was a bit like when Kronk... They, they look a frustrated team at the moment. Yeah. Like they were... They busted their ass for 60 on the weekend. And then, you know, in that last 20, sort of got away from them. They got a little bit frustrated. But yeah, that, yeah, I, and I totally get why they are frustrated. Well, I said it last week. I pushed pause on those last four spots to me because the Tigers need to prove I've they can no idea. beat a top eight side. It should be a top six this year. Which they couldn't. 
But again, given the way Manly played and the injuries, it's not looking any better. And I said the same about Cronulla. Everyone messaged just going, they've won four in a row. I go, well, they're going to play a top eight side. Seven and eight are going to be four this year. Yeah, they've beaten up on a couple of teams that I think have bad forward packs. They played a real forward pack on the weekend. They got absolutely trounced. So Tigers almost by default get in because they made at least a game of it at the back end compared to the others. But again, that's another top eight side on the fringe and they lost to them. Yeah. And they were bad for probably 50, 60 minutes before they got involved in the game. So... Uh, yeah, Manly moved out. They definitely need some bodies back. Mm. They're struggling. And Cronulla didn't even get that look in. So there's your power rankings for this week. Let's get through these reviews of the games from the weekend. Roosters Cowboys doesn't need a whole lot to be said about it. 42-16. Felt like for probably 20, 25 minutes. Again, like the week before when the Cowboys probably only had a five or 10-minute period against Para. Looked like up for the game. You kind of got the feeling maybe they could give a little bit of trouble and the Roosters missing five or six players. Mm. Then losing friend, Brett Morris, before the kickoff, you're like, well, they might be in a bit of a fight here. And up until about the 30th minute after Robson grabbed the first try, you're like, okay. And then just on half time, bang, bang. They grabbed two quick tries. Ikevalu gets over in the corner. They made a real, real purpose of targeting Scott Drinkwater's edge and getting him and Cohen Hess, who aren't exactly the best defensively, put a lot of pressure on their outsides. And then right on half time, Ruck opens up. Tokiaho, one of the best examples you're going to see of forward skill footwork, passing, but then also Satili who pushed through with him, pushing to get defenders to have to worry about a man rather than being able to gang tackle, get him through the line, and then he reloads even after he overruns on that push to get the ball back and score the try. Yeah. And then from there, the second half needs no explanation. They went in at 12-6. The first 10 minutes, they scored four tries. It was a beat-up. They absolutely blew the fucking door. Look, for the first 30 minutes, the Roosters just looked off the pace. Yeah. Errors, <clears throat> once they clicked into the gear. the day they had to get up there. They got delayed flights. They had players out. They had a short turnaround. They flew up there. They were delayed by two hours. They lose yeah. Brett Morris. Igafali hasn't played a game since March. Yeah. They lose their hooker. They've got no backup hooker. They put Lamb in, who does a good enough job. And they just absolutely blew the doors off. And again, proving the point, similar deal about the depth, the skill, and just all across the board. And the other thing is, if they find you bleeding in a spot, they just keep stabbing you. Yeah. So the Cowboys have been so poor on their left-hand edge. Well, then the Roosters exposed them on the right-hand edge and just kept going there and they put five down there. And then their middle, their tie-in and like that, that play five where Flanagan drops it back into Tedesco and both Marcus over chasing no one ties in. Like, that's just disgusting. And again, with everyone's been laying the boot into the Broncos and all the Queensland teams. The Cowboys aren't much fucking better. No. Cowboys are a bad team. Big situation. Like, they had that one little flash against Newcastle. Like, all right, are they going to start stringing some consistency together? But... Looking at what you're dealing with now, I, I don't know what they do. Maybe they do need a change from green, but... No, I don't think it's coaching. I don't know. But one thing is for certain. Morgan, big money. The board homes hasn't worked. Morgan, not playing. Not playing. Nine is good now. because injured again. McLean's injured. Isan's been okay with been the terrible. poor defensively. Master's terrible. Felt just got re-signed long-term. Terrible. There's a, there's a lot of decisions Trickwater there. hasn't lived up to his form this now year. Now he's injured. Hess... Um, Hess is up and down like a fiddler's watch. Yes. Uh, Gavin Cooper's well past it. They've got a lot of problems there. Yeah. Justin O'Neill, well past it. Uh, they've got some problems. They've got, they've got one some problems. problems. Definitely Robson. They've got some falling in love problems after winning a comp. That's what happens. You win a comp, you give guys four-year deals, and you don't really give a fuck about it at the time because you go, well, we just won a comp, so it doesn't matter. But now they're feeling a little bit of that hangover because you're coming up to the end of... 
some of those falling well, in love contracts. You only need to look at the crop of players they let go afterwards that included because Brent, of Smith, the falling in love. Ponga, with, they moved on from a lot of these guys, and there's more you could mention. Billy yeah. Kikau, Braden Hemlin, Ueli was in there. Too. Like they had so many of these guys that were yeah. part of their system that were kind of overlooked. Oh, we don't, you know, we'll be right, and they all moved on. There's multiple, yeah. and they're all doing well at other clubs right now that could have been part of their next generation. Yeah. But anyway, that's enough about the Cowboys and the Roosters. But again, phenomenal performance by them, considering the troops, again, that they're already out. Losing Morris, resting Cordner, Ikevalu coming in, losing Friend. I guess the big thing, like we talked about before, there's going to be a delicate balance for the rest of this season if they get any more injuries, and in particular to the nine situation. It was probably a good thing that Lamb got some minutes on the field, but it's still a situation I think they're going to have to monitor. Freddie Lussick, do they give him more time? Does he get a game in the next couple of weeks? Do they take a chance to have a look there if they're that keen on him. He got their flag player of the year, but no doubt that's something they're going to have to really worry about moving forward. But Cowboys, I don't know what to say, except Robson's been a real highlight. That's about it. Titans Warriors, 16-12. 12 now after seven minutes. To be honest, we talked about it last week. With the two centers, I just thought, Roger coming back in, Fusitura, a couple of the players, if the Warriors were dead set and the track record they tended to have against you guys, that they'd have it over the top of you. And after seven minutes, it certainly looked that way. It did. Roger, like you said, out and on, off the scrum, just thin air for poor old Bo for more who shouldn't have been there. And Cartwright on the other edge, bites in, they go through the hands and Marmolo's in. I turned it off, to be honest. I just thought it was going to be an average game in general and thought it would be a cricket score. Had a look around halftime, it was 12-6 and thought, surely the Warriors aren't doing what they think they're doing. <clears throat> uh, and then on re-watching it, Titans, well, Titans completed blow for punished the themselves. First half. You didn't make a completion for the first five or six. 12-6, like that was then, yeah. massive for the Titans at halftime. It should have been 24-6, 30-6. Tightened up the belt. Uh, Got a try late in the half, which is pretty simple, when Don just cuts back in against the grain. Almost scored again before half-time, and then there was that moment, obviously, where Hetherington and Fogarty, which we've gone over, I don't want to go into great detail, but I thought the Warriors were dotted on that one. Should have been a try, but second half, outstanding by the Titans. Deed up, uh, Hipgrave played on despite an injury. The reshuffles again, Spry on debut, Taylor copped a bit of a knock, but in all honesty, I, you know, at that point in time, was kind of hoping that he'd battle on, but he went off. Fogarty took control of the steering wheel, and they just gritted it out. Mm. The Warriors basically couldn't get out of their own half, partly because of your defense and partly to their own stupidity and bad offloads and just not helping themselves uh, coming out of yardage. But it looked at any situation that they could have had a possible opportunity or a way to roll at field. They just keep shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, they couldn't buy a penalty either. That didn't help or six again calls. They were really, really struggling in that situation, but two moments really contributed and it was both goal line situations. Uh, first of all, not cleaning up. Roger trying to run the opposite way, left without the football. And then you had the kick go through and Blake Green, who's barely in the in goal, thinks he can bat it dead, pushes it there for mm. both for more to jump on and not before that, they didn't clean the kick up, which <clears throat> Peachy threw back in there. So twice in the in goal. Caught them short, and when they're under the pressure with a chance to score at the back end of the game, they lose the football, and Fogarty, who again took full full control of the game, was outstanding, comes up with a ripper 40-20 kick and ices it for uh, the Gold Coast Titans for a good win. Yeah, it was an ugly game, but the, the Titans completed horrendously in the first half. Second half, they tidied it up a little bit, but two tries off kicks... The Warriors then wanted to play footy in that last five minutes once the Titans got ahead Too late. and looked dangerous. But I think the problem with the Warriors is they want to play Aussie football. They want to play structured football. If anything, the current style of footy should suit the Warriors. They need to play 
Look, play as boring as fuck as you want in yardage. I don't care. Yeah, get out Use of your yardage. big men. Bash it up the middle. Play the ball quick. Get Blake Green to kick into a corner. It's not that difficult to get out of yardage. In good ball, though. In good ball, man. Play with the skill of the players you've got. Offload. Got such, crea- such creative players. Change the direction. Drop the ball inside. Give the ball to two of us a check. Get to the middle of the field. Split it up. Get to you know 75% of the field and play down short sides. They're such a dangerous football team when they've got their... Um, you know, their eyes up and they're just playing direct and offloading the footy. This structured bullshit that they're playing is dead. And and their style, that Kiwi style of fast, physical, skillful, yeah. should be coming to the fore. That's where they that's the style that they need to adopt yeah. Roll, straight away. Second yes. phase, keep attacking. The Titans they would have beaten the Titans by thirty if they played that way. Yeah. No, they really did. That's essentially all uh, Cronulla did the week before. Yeah. Roll, pass, tip, bang, yeah. The Warriors got the better players than Roll off Cronulla. the back of it. So, in yeah. the middle of the field, anyway. Well, again, they made a mess of it. Uh, I just really think there's some positives there. Fogarty, who was part of their system, had junior rep aspirations come through with that good crop of players, along with LG uh, and Taylor was around there. Like, he's not that much older. I think he might be mid-20s to late or so now. So, he's still got a good four or five years. Yeah. But as far as the situation you're in right now, I think it's the perfect person. Again, contract-wise, ability-wise, he's tough as nails. He's a good guy just to steer the ship. And if they put, say, a Brimson back in and have Thompson at a fullback, well, then you're starting to build a pretty solid spine to move on with. Yeah. Um, and they can progress, like you said, with your Tino, <clears throat> Fotuaka, for more growing and learning off that injury and in a system there where he's not helped out by little guys. Just, yeah, I, I think a smart, slow build and working with the ones that he likes and getting rid of those dead wood is a good situation for the Titans. And number one, effort. Yeah, you see an effort, but yeah, got Fogarty, Thompson, Moiaki's great every week. But for the Warriors, same couple of names always seem to pop up. Roger, he did make a couple of errors, but he was great again. Tahu Harris, the work he's been getting through, outstanding. And Hetherington should have had that try four or five offloads again. He's bringing that style of football when he comes off the bench, like you're talking about. Mm. You know, make an impact, offload the football, be aggressive. You want to see more of that from the Warriors, but week to week they're just in absolute yo-yo, aren't they? And they've been that since they've come back from this break. Win, loss, win, loss. When you don't think they're going to win, they come up with a win. When you think they you know, should be beaten, they bloody roll you. Mm-hmm. They're that insistent. It's not funny. And they're in a hard situation now because apparently this is the last week it keeps getting talked about that a few of these players are going to stay here. So I don't know exactly, but Fushi Tour and a few others were mentioned, three or four others. Uh, it seems like this is their last game this week against the Sharks, if word is correct. So they're going to need some players. Yeah, um, yeah, not great situation if you're the Warriors and whoever their next coach is going to be. Brown took himself out of the running for that job. A couple of other guys, Wayne Bennett scrapped himself. They're not going to get a big name. I almost think at this point in time that Peyton's almost going to get it by default because I don't think they're going to be really able to have a whole lot of candidates they're interested in. And they're almost set up to stick him with the man who's there now. Yeah. So interesting to see how it happens. South Tigers, 18-10. Certainly kicked off with a bit of fire when... Uh, Paul Campbell Graham's head got used as a field goal uh, shot. <clears throat> Randy Orton drop punt there, WWE style, by Josh Reynolds. Yeah. Which then set off a bit of a chain of events there with Latrell Mitchell kind of blindsided him. And I think he was lucky that that didn't turn into more of a king hit rather than a bit of a lazy stiff arm that he hit him with. I thought uh, he would have been in a lot more trouble. But again, after the fact, Graham Annesley said they both should have been sent to the sin bin, but they both stayed on the field. The penalty went the other way. That definitely lit the fuse and there's been a fair bit of feeling between these two the last couple of years when they play yeah. they always seem to get stuck in each other but 
for the Tigers' point of view, I just thought they couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't get out of their own end. Souths, you know, a little bit clunky to start with, but by the back end of the half, after everything kind of calmed down and they got control of the situation, smartly attacked the edge where they had the late inclusion of uh, young Hoffman, and he wasn't given a lot of help by his insides. Reynolds, Cody Walker linked up a couple of times. Cook played with a bit of nice width, and they sort of picked on that edge, and first time they bit in, Hoffman held off long enough for him to get on the outside. Next time, they all bit in, left space. The out ball later in the game where they all just basically jumped in, didn't land on a man, all the pass, and the ball got outside of James Roberts. There was kind of a period there for the back end of the first half and early second half where you thought Souths were going to blow them off the park. Goal kicking obviously didn't help. They probably settled down with about 20 to go, and the Tigers got a little bit of a sniff of the game, but it was all a little too late. Yeah. Um, they were well off the Tigers. I, I really thought they'd win this match. Well, I bloody tipped them. So, so did I. Uh, no, you didn't. You tipped South. Did I? Well, I, uh, by, by the end of the week, I tipped um, the Tigers. I'd come round. Um, so, stupid me. I should have stuck with my gut early in the week. I tipped Titans on here. Did I tip War- Titans or Warriors? Uh, I think we both tipped the Warriors. Yeah, I think I... The only game we tipped different was the, that one, and okay. you got it, so... Right. We uh, by the end of the week I'd change my tip. Um anyway, what do you do? A lot of people disagree. I, I, I just found this game hard to watch. The Tigers left hand D was terrible. Uh they're just again, they struggle to score points. And this toing and froing and chopping and changing of key position players I don't agree with. Let's stick with two halves and um move forward. Harry Grant's doing a great job out of nine. If you want to carry a bench utility, I get it. Because, you know, if someone gets injured, you've got working. someone there to cover it. Josh Reynolds, for me, is that man. Uh, and I think it needs to be Brooks and Marshall in the halves. Well, I think attack-wise, it's definitely their best combo. No doubt about it. And kicking, well, and the, kicking the, game, it is their best combo. You can combo. talk as much about, you know, wanting to build a tough culture and yada, yada, yada. But you need to, you need to be able to score points. And it's never been more important. Points scoring and total points has gone up this year. Well, on the flip side as well, and he's preaching defense, and you need to make your tackles, you need to do this, that, and the other. Reynolds, Brooks, Embot, like the guys. They're all missing tackles. Everyone's missing. So I think for Maguire, it's a bit of a situation here where it's like, you know, you want to preach defense, but it's not making a whole lot of difference right now every time you seem to come up against the top eight side. So what's your best possible situation? Offense. It's your best offense, which Brooks and Reynolds. Oh, sorry, Brooks and Marshall. And in particular, I think Brooks plays better when he plays with Ben. I think he's achieved his purpose and achieved his goal in terms of toughening them up. They've never played tougher, the Tigers. Nah. Now it's about moulding that attacking style back into this new culture that he's put in. Yeah. And I think, oh, I think he's done a fantastic job. This isn't a criticism. I just think sending this message about where you can't miss tackles and... Well, if that case, you wouldn't have signed Luciano and you wouldn't have signed Joey. Yeah. Like, I just think it's a bit hypocritical at times with certain bits and pieces. Like, if you're worried about defense and discipline and wanting to be a tough team, you wouldn't have signed Joey Lailua. Mm. Or, yeah. And again, for what energy you get from Reynolds and bits and pieces, you get brain snaps like the other night and you're going to get misses. And, yeah, he runs the ball and he's tough and all the rest of it. But Benji's a better player. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I'll take a few misses because he's got a better kicking game. He helps out Brooks. He makes Brooks a better player. I think that's your best pair going forward. Yeah, and you know what? The art is putting someone next to Marshall yeah. that can f- spack fill that over. Yep, and you know, if they have yeah, to... Yeah, you talk about Darren Lockyer. Had, you know, Tony Carroll next to him. shotgun. Yeah, most of the time. Him out. And it's not that he couldn't defend, but he just used to get targeted. Small and targeted. Because you want to take the right. gas out of him. So, 
I just think for them, like you said, when you don't have the luxury of having a great top 30, you've got to put your best side on the field. And yeah. for them, they're not going to win by defending games. No. Their best plan is to attack offensively. 18 points. Their, be- 18. their best kicking game is going to come with Marshall. Their best setup with their halves and to take pressure off Brooks is going to come with Marshall, who in his mature age can steer and help. Give Harry Grant somebody there, like you said, utility-wise, and bring energy, whether that be Billy Walters or Josh Reynolds, because let's be honest, well, yeah. Reynolds is out now. So. He hasn't played a lot of first grade, and he's been making 60 tackles a week, so he's probably going to need a rest every so often. Yeah, Pick Billy Walters there. I thought Billy Walters was doing a good job at the start. He injected himself in a few games. Yeah. Um, but, anyway. yeah, they need to make some changes and stick with them for the rest of the season. This chopping and changing and sending messages, well, I just think you're causing yourself issues. You're constantly changing defensive edge combination. That's the other thing. They don't get better when you keep changing combinations. That's the problem. You can't and form and any you continuity. Or confidence. Exactly. So... He needs to settle on something, but it wasn't a great game. Um, they came on late. LIA, he's had a really, really good season. He was consistent. Garner, again, I, I really, really like Garner and his aggression, but he needs to get some stupid penalties out, and sometimes he misses. But he's another one that I liked. I thought he was good the other night, but it proved again. Cody Walker's the key cog for South. Mm. When Cody Walker's there, it makes everyone better. Latrell adds his touches of class, still needs to be busier. Reynolds, when he ran the other night, again, just shows that glimpse of what we talk about all the time. If he ran the football more often, he'd be a much better player. Mm. But I think everything comes with Cody Walker there, and, and Cook had one of his better games. So um, they got their backs involved. They got Jimmy the Jets and Ball. Things just looked a little bit better. But I'm still not overly convinced by them when they have to play a better forward pack or one of those top four sides. Panther Sharks, 56-24. Dear ha. Like, it was an absolute first-half blitz. They blew them off the park. And again, when last week people said they're 4-1, and one, the last five, they're looking good. They've blown a couple of teams off the park. They're starting to roll. And I brought up the fact that, well, they're beating up on a couple of poor forward packs and they're starting to roll now. But any time similar to the Tigers or someone, they play a top eight side, let's see them do it against the real pack. And let's see Sean Johnson, who you're all giving a praise to now, have a real influence against a good side, which he needs to do with a forward pack going forward. And they just didn't stand a chance. No. They got absolutely blown apart in the middle of the field, which then compromises your edges because you start to tighten in to adjust when a team gets a roll on. you got Coruscant, who already causes enough trouble in their set defences, holding up the middle even further, rolling out. They played left and right. Jerome and Nath were linking, sweeping. Edwards had one of his better games with his hands, and I applaud him because I've basically said at the start of the year, I don't think he was a good enough ball player. And it didn't matter which side they went. They picked on that new combination on the right there with Nene and Bryson, Chad and Wade Graham looked at sixes and sevens as well. They got them twice early on quite softly. When they swept around to the left side, no different result. Crichton gets some early football, scored a couple of tries, 26 zip. You were sitting there thinking this could be absolutely <clears throat> anything. Penrith would have been very disappointed to concede those two soft trays late in the same spot where Kickow slips over and it puts Romy on an island there and they isolate him. Next one, you know, kick out dead Marine again on the ground. Doesn't help out, and they just crash out of them dummy half. But luckily for Penner's sake, it was almost reminiscent of the 2003 side for me. Well, they might have let a few tries in, but my God, they could score them. Yeah, this was just exposed Cronulla for what they are at the moment. Yeah. Fake form. It was fake form. Fake forward pack form to dominate, for your hearts to dominate. And when they got in a real battle against the better forward pack, they couldn't go with them. They got pushed backwards. Their halves were taken out of the game. Their back three was beaten up and they got exposed on both edges. It was fake news, Cronulla. There was, there was no news. part of the field where I thought Cronulla <clears throat> really Penrith won. Penrith are what I think they are. Penrith's premiership threat. That's why they won. And they rolled in, the in another kids who on debut 
bagged four, and he was the one we talked about only last week, unknowingly that he was going to get a game, that he was the man that they're talking about to be the future fullback. And I think when he made that break down the edge, full flight, then threw that beautiful pass back into Dylan Edwards, he just gave you a poster of you know the difference in his ball play and his explosiveness and what he can do from the back. Which is great, though, because that, again, puts pressure on Edwards to keep getting better and playing as good as he has been. <clears throat> I thought he was great on the weekend. Yeah, Coruscant has been great. Cleary, even injured on the weekend, didn't have to contribute as much. They've still got Burton up their sleeve. They've got Lainu on the bench who had his first run on the weekend. Like They let Ellis go, who's a good footballer. You've got Hetherington out on Logan, who can't get a run. They gave Sean Blore to the Tigers, for Christ's sake, who was a junior New South Wales back row and Australian player. Like, they've got a really good squad there at the moment, Penrith. And all things are looking up and... The fish is always every single week. Mr. Consistency. Uh, I don't really know what else to say other than they're, they're great across the park. They really are. Yeah. Uh, on the other side, I never thought I'd say this. I think this year, even after in the preseason, seemed like he was trying to force himself into medical retirement that Josh Dugan's been one person who's actually been quite consistent for the Sharks. I really didn't think I'd be saying that. Yeah, he's been close to the best player. Woods was terrible. Got himself in the bin. Chad had an absolute Barry Crocker. Nene McDonald, I know he hasn't played in a year and after the injury and a bit of drama, it's good to see him back on the field, but it wasn't the happiest introduction for him either. But Sharks in general, just wasn't a great day. No. And poor Johnny Morris, uh, the pressure gets heaped straight back on. Broncos. Well, it because they, nah, they're not good enough. But you know what it's like. Broncos, dogs, 26 to 8. Uh, I'm just going to come out and say it right now. They clarified the thing about the week, or Seabold clarified they got to make some choices for a couple of the middle sessions, but as far as recovery... No, the first, first he said recovery and captain's run, they, they decided, but I he did yeah, the middle sessions. He session. still did exactly... <clears throat> the bulk of their work was still controlled by him, to course, clarify. Right. A lot of people thought they literally handed over full control yeah, and they organised no. everything. Again, morons. Again, strange commentary <laughs> around that situation. Um they got a result, but I'm not putting it down to that. They, they, this was their they worst worse. performance they, they out played, of the seven. They played so the this worst is, team. you go back to what I said initially in our opening yeah. on Dean Pay. Do we judge performance or results? And we've again, we've judged results because yeah. we've gone, oh, Anthony Seabold, the pressure's off Anthony Seabold. Mate, I'll tell you, he, he'd be pulling more hair out this week. They made 17 errors. It's the most errors since resuming. They were terrible. And they didn't look any better. They looked awful. Unless... But... They were playing an awful team. Yeah. A team that is more awful than them. Who literally is the worst So, again, we'll just... Okay, well done, Brisbane. You won this week. But no. Yeah, it's fixed no problems. I thought, if anything, they looked worse. They were terrible. they played. And the team they played has no attacking threat at all. The, and they look stretched the constant, defensively. The constant kicking on play three and four. And again, uh, like you said, with four and having no help around him, he still set up a couple of tries and looked dangerous. They bombed two. They dropped a two. Concern. It's a real concern. Um and player-wise, it gets no better this week. They got basically nobody back. And the NRL physio post up yesterday that Tessie New limped off. Xavier Coates is in doubt. They're looking like they might have less plays this week. Yeah. If that's even possible. Throw Pangai Jr. on um, onto, the, onto, the, onto the dogs. And it's, they, they might flip. win. Yeah. yeah. I just don't. I don't get the halves. I really don't. The, the, the kicking and the obsession in good ball on play three or four. Yeah. Well, to try again. and roll it in and risk it. And they got lucky with the dropout on one of them. Another one was knocked on, but I, I'm dumbfounded. I really am. Yep. I don't get it. Um, yeah, TPG was in a world of his own. I agree with you. Other than that, you know, Haas done his usual. Carrigan, always busy each week. And I thought probably that the only real big upside otherwise is New had his best game for a young kid. 
Yeah, he was good. He built some confidence. He cleaned up all the kicks. His ball playing is still a bit hit and miss, for, but for a guy of his age to be pushing and showing the all-round skills that he's got right now, it's hard in a team that's playing with no confidence and not a whole lot going on. Yeah. There's a bit of improvement, but again, for the players to say, oh, we wanted to change and tape some things and things we think work, I didn't think it was any better. So all this bullshit again coming out like, oh, what they're doing is confusing, they're confused. I don't think it's that fucking hard, and I don't think you'd be overcomplicating it to the extent that everyone's bringing up. And again, they're also NRL players. They've all been in systems for a long time. They understand football. You wouldn't be chucking out anything more complicated than what's been made out like it's some Harvard science. Mm. It's really not. It's not. It's not that complicated. So still worrying signs, and they got the Tigers this week. It'll be interesting. But for the Bulldogs, as we said, going into it, no Hopalade, no Elliott, you know, all the stuff swirling around about Dean Pay, and now obviously he's out the door. Remus suspended all around as a whole. They were pretty poor. Thompson's debut, he was okay, but decided to get into a bit of a battle with Pungai Jr. I don't think he got suspended, but he's already got himself a couple of marks at the judiciary, which wasn't the smartest thing to do in his first game. So what happened? Early goody play? I don't know. I didn't see it. I was wondering. But I will say one thing. Good leg speed. Carries were pretty good. Defensively, though, on the weekend, probably because the team museum's obviously not that great. He ended up on the ground too much for mine. Too many times he was around ankles or he was the third man in, uh, not cleaning up. So it's obviously going to take some time to adjust and he's coming to a brand new team. He doesn't know anyone. But, yeah. Okay debut. Mm. Okay debut. Storm Raiders. I'll just throw it out there right now. I know a lot of people, uh, in the commentators in particular, were going on about it. And, oh, that's such a poor drop and this is getting comic and all that. I live there. And I played down there. Let me tell you, on a night like that, when you see that kind of mist and the field that wet, it is the last place you want to be, and it is near impossible to hold the football anytime you get hit. The one thing I will say, for as terrible as the conditions were, and there was errors, and it wasn't the highest of quality, it was very physical. These two hate each other. And in particular, Canberra, every time more recently, when they play Melbourne, look like what Melbourne looked like when they played the Roosters. They find that extra gear. They want to go after them. They want to prove a point. And despite all the injuries coming into it, and then losing Hodgson, then losing Simonson and the Sinbin, which was bullshit. I honestly thought they were the better side. I thought they were very I, unlucky. I, did. I didn't. I thought Melbourne get the Sinbin, score a man short. The chance Nicol Clodd stab one was a bit of a gift. The Pappenhausen one was a great piece of play, but in attack, I thought Melbourne were way too sideways. They really, really struggled. They came up with one line break. Some of the pass selections, Hughes found the ground, like Finucane pushed a couple of passes. I thought Canberra showed the way. They obviously didn't get it much love on it, but just playing a bit more direct nah. in the wet and changing angles. Like Whitehead's one was simple and direct. Papa got through a couple of times direct. Pine poked his nose through a little bit more. Given the duress they're under, uh, they're unlucky not to get the result. But unlucky, yeah. Very but I, I thought Melbourne were the better side, clearly. I, I didn't think they played great. They made a lot of errors. I think they dropped the ball and played one four or five times. Yeah, it wasn't great. So, you know, they put themselves under a lot of pressure, but... Um, you know, they still did enough to win. They certainly didn't get the best Melbourne Storm performance. and Definitely not. But they won. Similar and deal. And again, they, they find ways to win, not ways to lose. Yeah, exactly. Even when they're trying to lose, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think for them, uh, Felice pulled out. Suley probably wasn't as big a concern. They lost Bromwich early. Munster's still not there, so they had a couple out. But for Canberra, it just keeps getting worse, doesn't it, the poor bastard? You lose Hodgson and Simonson on top of those three or four forwards they've already lost. Does Bateman get back early enough? I don't know. But I think, again, what they've got there... they make the eight. 
what they've got there with their halves and their forward pack and the quality, they're still good enough. They proved that the other night. Of course they are. With Hudson, Topine, Papa, Elliot, they've got enough. And the hooker rotation is a good rotation, whether people know much about them or not. With Harvili and Starling, I think they're going to have to change the way they play. But you start with Harvili, he's going to be direct, jump out, engage markers. He's going to be able to run and help out that forward pack like he used to at the Warriors, get them going over the advantage line at the back end of the halves when they're a bit more tired. They might start pushing it a bit earlier to the edges and if they get a roll on, Tommy Starling's got turbos. Yeah, he's he's creative. He can get out. So they're going to have a good duo there. Those two would start at a lot of other clubs. But as a pairing, yes, it's going to change their way they play around the ruck. They're probably going to be a little more direct and there's going to be less manipulation. Um, but the responsibility now comes down to the two halves. George Williams had all these wraps on him, trying to pick up his involvement a bit more. And on Jack's side of things, I still think he's more of a runner than he is an organiser, but he's played origin. He's been given a good massive contract. He's got all these wraps on him. It's time for those two to step up and take more control now that Hodgson's not there. Yeah. So I think they're definitely capable. Um, I Well, let's talk about the simming. They, the they, they, they won't be falling out of the eight. I don't care what anyone says. We both thought the simming was a horrendous decision. It was terrible. So that's probably where, where we need to leave it. I uh, will say one thing, though. Anyone, they, I know, again, it's stupid to read it, but the people that write stuff going, oh, it's Melbourne. Like, do you really fucking think? What influence does Melbourne have on the bunker? Oh, the penalty count. Like, oh, the penalty count. Like, well, Hudson's overzealous in the ruck. To pine and hit someone with a smith. Like, don't. The whole Melbourne conspiracy. If there was a conspiracy theory, they'd win the comp every year. Or they wouldn't have got done for the salary cap. And all the dumb shit you hear and read. Yeah, well, again, you're bringing it up on the show. Don't bring it up. You're now giving it oxygen. Don't talk about it. Just pure stupid. Ignore it. Really. uh, You're stupid for letting it worry you. Stop it. I thought Tino was very good on the edge. That's one thing I was happy with. He was good. So for you guys, you're picking up... I don't know if they're going to use him as a middle or an edge, but very talented player. thought Brandon Smith was good again. Um, Smith was much better in the second half when we settled things down and started to play a bit more direct. And Pappenhausen's runaway was an absolute corker. But on the other side, uh, I thought their forward pack, in particular after the losses, were pretty good at the back end of the game. I think Hartvili, when he came on, he wasn't too bad. Whitehead blowing that try. They are rolling over it. That would have been very, very handy. Probably, you know, we might have been heading to Golden Point. But well, you got to you got to take that to the bank. You got to ice that. Ninety nine <laughs> times out of hundred, he scores that. You got to dunk that shit. But Josh Papali again, just an absolute thorn in Melbourne's side. He mm. has a massive game every time they play. He was outstanding once again. So, uh, and Ricky extra pissed off this week. Lots of injuries and the grand final rematch, and <laughs> he's not happy. Short turnaround. They're not allowed to stay up here in Sydney. They're not allowed to catch a flight up to help them. They've got to catch a bus up. So Well, I agree with him. It's a pole really, shit. really, really not happy. And it's a tough match to cop this week, uh, <laughs> given the circumstances. So, yeah. yeah. Eels, Newcastle, second last one we've got here. 10-4. An absolute scrap. But it's one of those situations, again, where I go, old Parramatta don't win this game. So, no. for me, as ugly as it was, <clears throat> they were very, very poor. They kept trying to force it down their left early. Defensively, they were spread. They were a bit tight. Newcastle kept getting to their edges, had some opportunities. They defended that. They defended for the bulk of the game, I thought, and their set ends were quite poor, but they found a way to win. Yeah. Um, like I said, it definitely wasn't pretty. They didn't use Utukamano basically at all, so they played with 16 almost. Paulo didn't come back on for the whole second half because of back spasm, so that put extra pressure on their other middles and Nathan Brown and Campbell Gillard were outstanding to hold on and I thought at the back end of the game Newcastle had multiple opportunities to come and get them but they just couldn't do it yeah. Newcastle's attack was terrible side to side to side to side to side 
Ponga looks like he's playing like a 5'8", <clears throat> not like a fullback. Uh, they're not getting a lot from Andrew McCulloch out of nine in terms of creativity. And like I said before, they're, they're not bending the line back like they were early doors. And they don't have that same spark coming out of nine, which doesn't bring the halves under the ball. Pierce predominantly is a runner. Like He likes, likes to play direct. He doesn't like to play yeah, side sideways. to side. He's passing way too early at the moment, um, probably because the line's up on him and he's just feeling like the best option is to move the ball sideways. But I feel like at the moment, the two halves at Newcastle really need to run, run more, generate your own ruck speed, and then play on the back of that. Just roll. Uh, uh, and they copped another blow in the back end of this one. Safidi's been outstanding. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, so his brother's going to come in. And they already used the bench sparring there as is. Basami Solo, still only young in his career. Brody Jones, only a handful of games. So those guys are going to have to play more minutes now. Either that or he's going to have to reach for a Josh King or whatnot. Barnett, originally they were saying he was on track, but he's still marked down as indefinite with his neck injury. So he's someone they could definitely use mm. uh, at this point in time. But yeah, a little bit of pressure there. And like you said, that nine situation, Ponga, a uh, bit out of this one. A lot of people starting to think that teams are targeting him after Wonga Blake smoked him a few times. And was that of course they're targeting. a high shot? And, you know, that's what teams do with the best players. And he's tricky. He's got good footwork. He's constantly on the ball. So, of course, they're going to go after him. Mm. Legally, that's the big question. I think the worrying thing for me, he's copped a lot of head knocks. He's start, starting to come a bit of a trend for him. Not in like a, a majority way, but he is getting popped around the head a fair bit. This is not the first time he's had to go off for a HIA. So, you don't want to see those starting to pile up for sure. No. But, yeah, like you said, more pressure on him. Then you've got Pierce, who's carrying a bit of a knee injury. <laughs> he's a bit hampered. Um, yeah, they need a bit more out of nine. And, and obviously, man, like we said, has been playing quite good on his head, just running and all that. But... He doesn't really help in the creative department. So, more pressure on their forward pack with Safidi out. Uh, this week, up against Sias. Probably a, a good sort of test, given the result on the weekend. And a couple of bodies out to see where Sias are at. But definitely some pressure on Newcastle. I think a couple other guys. Best had a real red-hot start in his first few games. I think he's been a bit off the last few. So... Rabin Best. You know, was only just come back. The ups and downs of, you know, being an 18, he had the two, two weeks out. He only had a week off. No, he had two, didn't he? Played against Manly. Okay. So the joys, again, when you come into grade at 18, 19 years old and learning your way and finding your way into games, I just don't think he's Well, who'd you say? They've got South, Dogs, Storm, and Tigers in the next month. Yep. So hopefully get a body or two back, and hopefully Safidi's only out for one to two weeks, but we'll have to wait and see. But on the Parramatta side of things, like you said. Manly, Cowboys. So they don't have a bad run. Warriors, Sharks. Good result, considering. For Parramatta. Brown, great on return there. Nathan Brown in the middle, huge. Marnie's progression, and again, leading that contract extension, I think he's more creative than I thought he was going to be. He's shown that he's got a kicking game. Forced to drop out. His last few weeks, he's had a hand near the line and setting up a try or two and a long kicking game. So that's taken pressure off the halves and again, only adds further to their spine as a whole. When Mitchell Moses come back, who does the predominant amount of the kicking, Dylan Brown's kicking game was nowhere near as good as last week, but I still thought he was very good. His physicality for his age running, but in particular defensively, still impressive. Uh, Guff, good again. Got himself really, really busy. But yeah, in particular, I thought Camber Guard and Brown stepped up in the middle <laughs> to really take control yeah. when they needed him. And obviously, <laughs> Arthur put that pressure on when Paulo had the back spasms and they didn't want to throw the kid into the fire, whether he was ready or not. And yeah, they basically played with 15. So good win under those circumstances. Great win. And the last game of the round. Dragons Manly 
Um, we basically said it before. It's, it's a hard situation. We don't have a lot of depth. They've got no fullback, no six. Both the nines, one's moved on, one's out for alternative reasons. And your best yardage player, set starter, offloader, in Adam Fanua Blake's not there, which places yeah. a huge amount of pressure on DC, who it showed. They competed. They just couldn't score. And he had and a Barry Crocker in the first half. The and then in the back 20, they just they didn't quit, but they they became frustrated. And well, there was a couple of intercepts. Push passes. And, there was a yeah, sin bin that led to some points. Went, went away from, you know, what was getting him down the other end of the field. But I will say that <clears> for the Dragons, good confidence Yeah. in the sense of, I think finally they figured out the best way for them to play. But you're beaten up on someone that was handicapped. I know. But again, sometimes you need to get yeah, a little bit handicapped by the way. fact that they didn't have three of their best key position players. Well, the thing for them is they get. But the... for the Dragons, yeah, get it. Like, yeah. okay, you won. They're running the dogs this week, so they can build a bit of momentum. Mm. And they've probably settled finally on what works for them. Norman and Clue. Yeah. Hunt Until they lose a couple in a row and yep. the pressure goes on again, they've just got to stick to Tarek back what in. they feel as those best. I thought they got a bit more out of their bench given, but again, they did play an understrength manly. But I think the main thing is there seems to be some happiness there, a bit of joy, some energy and some intent, which we didn't Winning see helps, yeah. three or four weeks ago. But we've slowly seen a bit of a build-up. Mm. Um, it's a real positive for them. And even out of those bench kind of players, Kerr made an impact. Laurie getting a start was good. Tyrell's been good start and pushed back. You know, Dufty and Lomax, who have been up and down, like Fiddler's Elbows, are both starting to play some good football. And given the way the season's worked out and that cluster <laughs> of teams that aren't kicking on, it's kept them in touch with the eight. So they get a dogs this week who they've lost to. They're the only dogs win. Yeah. Um, they realistically shouldn't have blown that game, like they blew the Warriors one. They win that one. They get the Sharks next week, who technically sit just above them, and then they get south. So there's almost a progression here, which is perfect for the Dragons to see where they're at because they're playing two teams that are a stepping stone just ahead of them. Yep. So they get the Dogs, which should be a win, and then they play a team that's sitting in the eight and one that's on the fringe of the eight just ahead of them. So in two weeks, all things going well, stay healthy, and they sit on this spot, and they could potentially be back in the top eight, which is crazy to think. Yeah, uh, It's funny how quickly the talk dies down. <coughs> but there you go. But then they'll, they'll get spanked by someone in the finals. But Well, then after that, I think they get a couple of hard games. So, um, yeah, Hunt was better, McInnes... Vaughan in the middles, the halves, Ed, like all around, there was a big improvement for Manly. It was Corey Norman's uh, best game in a long time. Yeah, and I think Clune obviously has made a big difference there. He was great. Hunt. Clune's just safe. And kicking. It, it, it's kind of, they found a bit of a safe spot at the moment, but until they play someone better again, we'll have to wait and see. But tips for last week, Brock. Uh, we both liked the Storm at $2. If you got in early, they got home, whether you like uh, the circumstances or not. My three-lego, I trusted the Warriors, which was a huge mistake. Idiot! So the other two legs were up, but that one cost me. But we were both on the storm. That worked out. Tipping-wise... Yeah, don't no credit for my two-legger that got up again. Well, which two-legger did you have? I can't even remember. I had Parramatta into Melbourne. It's almost midnight. I'm, I'm zoned out here a little bit on the bets. Who'd you say? Parramelbourne. Parramelbourne. Yeah, well, that's a good multi. Yeah, that's five or six weeks in a row. Someone let me know who's been following my tips. My best bets got up. And I sent you a nice multi I got up to on yeah, try scores. Not for the fans, though. It wasn't for the fans. Not for it the fans. It was for me no. afterwards. Did you get your multi, your listeners' multi up off the ground this week? No, well, it's bloody midnight. I didn't really put oh, a post in, did I? Come on, brother. So hopefully next week I'll get a bit of a post in earlier and we come on, get a run in it. But uh, we'll get through these. You got six last week. I got five. It was the Tigers game. It was the difference. So you're ahead now by three total. And as we look at things, Roosters Raiders is the first up, as we spoke about. Brett Morris has been named to return on the wing. 
Ryan Hall has been pushed out. Matt Ecavallo returns a spot, retains his spot after the way he played last week. Boyd Cordner is back in. Orbison back to the bench. And Farmasuli is out of the side on the flip. Hodgson's obviously gone. Simonson gone. Harvili gets a start. Rapana comes in onto the wing. Starling goes to the bench to join that hooker rotation. Curtis Scott is back into the 17. Is it more the fact that Morris is a left winger? Yeah. Like, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's the fact that... I also think if you're going to go... I don't think Hall's been bad. He hasn't, he hasn't scored tries, but he hasn't really had too many opportunities. His yardage works good. But... Well, no, actually, Morris must be a right winger because Daniel Tupo plays on the left wing. Doesn't he? Plays on that left Tupo side. usually plays on the left, yeah. yeah so there you Morris go. He has, been playing So he has picked Ikevalu over the Hall. He has Hall. picked Ikevalu. Just on... Well, he again, scored the way he played last 150 week. 150 yeah. Pretty hard not to back him. And he was good in yardage as well, so he's rewarded the band yeah. that played. Uh, I stick with the Roosters in this one. Roosters. I think the... The old Raiders will be plenty angry, but again, short turnaround, quick adjustment with the Nines up against the quality opposition who have got their own injury concerns, mind you. They're missing a lot of troops, but mm-hmm. uh, they get seven days and all those things like the Raiders said. It's not... It's the stiffest opposition the Roosters have played. Yeah. I'm not giving them an out, but yeah, it's not ideal to have five-day turnaround, travel up on the bus that day to play against the quality side like the Roosters. You know, it'll be a, Roos- a storm-level game for, for them here, particularly with the added element of the... Um, Grand final rematch, as you said. Yeah, there'll be plenty of spite. <laughs> and the odds of this one, the bookies, given the injuries to the Raiders, the, the Roosters are a dollar twenty-eight favorite, three seventy for the Raiders, minus ten and a half. Yeah, is stay line. away from. Yeah. I'd almost lean the Raiders with the line. Yeah, I don't think I'll be touching that one. Uh, Storm Titans, the early Friday game on Melbourne Ooh. side of things. Munster comes back in. Jax is out of the side. Brandon Smith's been named to start for Jesse Bromwich in the middle. Felice Kafusi comes back, so Tino goes back to the bench. Chris Lewis and Seve replace Darren Shonig and Nico Hines. Let's guess the line on this one. Well, in a minute we will. We will. Titans, Brian Kelly and Philip Semi back in the centres. Fomor goes back to the back row. Cartwright and Stone out of the side Good. together. Or what do you reckon the line is? Oh, I don't know. What do you I reckon eighteen and a half. I'll go fourteen and a half. And we go to the bookies. Well, there you go, you're right. Eighteen and a half. That's huge. Dollar ten. We're a bad team, mate. Melbourne are a dollar ten. <laughs> yeah, you I was guys are eight dollars. Yeah, I think the the price was lower when I thought you were worse last year when we went down there. I honestly thought you had a worse one last year. I think this team at least tries. Mm. I don't think you're as good this year. No, I think that's pretty ruthless. Say so we're going to win by four tries. No, I think we're a bad team. I don't think you're as bad as the Warrior. We already proved that point last week. And that's missing players. Yeah. Melbourne aren't going as good as they think, but Munster back in. As long yeah, as he, you beat the Warriors down by 40. If Munster's healthy, that's massive for that us. That means you beat us by 30. Really? So there you go. If Munster's healthy, I think that's huge for us. I don't think Smith will end up starting. If he does, it'll be Finucane. So, and this game's on the sunny coast. That that helps us. We don't like Melbourne. Well, it's good for us because we get a home crowd, really. You know, I we get that, but it's town, also so. the conditions suit it's you. It's good for everybody. Well. Yeah. But on with the Storm, regardless. Storm. You're on board as well. Like I said, dollar ten for the Storm, $8 for the Titans, minus 18 and a half. Is the line there? Tigers get a run again this Friday night up against the Broncos, and on their side of things, a swag of changes like we said. New halves pairing again. Reynolds is suspended. Like Brooks has dropped to the bench. Benji and Billy Walters are now the halves pairing. Talia back from injury. He's on the wing. Hoffman is out. Russell Packer returns at prop. Ollie Clark is dropped out of the side. McIntyre and Chris McQueen are on the bench. Cheekham and Elijah Taylor out. I tell you what, Cheekham can't hold a spot, can he? Thought he was a good contributor last year off the bench and. Getting five minutes here, ten minutes here. Like, is this where's this game at? 
Uh, oh, just quickly for the Broncos on the flip side, Ben Teo starts in the back row with Glenn out. Offer Hingiao is back on the bench after being suspended. But there's some rumours, as I said today, that the NRL physio, he's pretty good on his page, was saying Tessie New didn't finish training. Xavier Coates was under a cloud, and there's a couple other guys in doubt. So mm. that's not exactly great if you're a Brisbane fan, and it's at Leichhardt. So. Oh, I was going to say, Russell Packer have his return to Suncorp. I'll stick with the Tigers. Tigers. I didn't buy anything I saw last week from the Broncos. No. I hope they proved me wrong. But again, also to hear murmurs about troops and to still see here after I saw that Turpin was tagged as round nine and it wasn't then 10. Stags was supposed to be back last week. Now he's not even in the 21. That's not a good thing. Did they push too hard last week? Is he delayed uh, again? Who knows? For feeder, they said one to two weeks. And then Corey Parker live on air said it's more likely three to four. Yeah. Uh Definitely didn't take enough out of last week. But the bookies got this closer than I expected to be. West Tigers are $1.50, two fifty-five for the Broncos, minus 5.5 is the line in this one. Super Saturday kicks off. Dragons up against the Bulldogs. The only change for the Dragons side that won handily last week is Saab back in because Pereira got suspended again for a shoulder charge. So dumb. he's going to be missing. Too. And for the Bulldogs, George Arliss takes over and makes a bit of a reshuffle. Lachlan Lewis goes back into the halves for him. Wakeham is out. Nick Meany goes to fullback. Dallin back to the wing. I like that move. Holland is in the centres now that Remus is suspended. Jeremy Marshall King's back starting a hooker. Katoa back Who to the Who got suspended? Remus Smith for diving. For what? Well, I, don't, I don't know if it was for that tackle. There was a lot of argument. Was it a cannibal? Was it not no a cannibal? No way, it was a cannibal. So the, some people <laughs> Again, argue. we're suspending based on injury. So, because you could go through every game oh, and you'd find 20 tackles like that. Oh, way injury, worse. But, uh, I'm sticking with the Dragons in this one. I know there's a lot of bounce back when people get fired at times and this, that, and the other. I just think they're trending. I, I won't be tipping the Bulldogs. I think they're trending in two different directions. So, uh, yeah, I'm on the Dragons. They own one as well. Yeah, they got them, blew it last time. Dragons are the favourites, $1.37. I don't want to be on at $1.37, though. No, no. Oh, man. no. $3.10 for the Bulldogs, minus 8.5 is a line there. South's up against Newcastle. And for South, Latrell Mitchell suspended from his little fracker. Campbell Graham has got a facial fracture, so he's out as well after that kick to the head from Josh Reynolds. He treated his face like a soccer ball. <laughs> Alex Johnston, he goes back to fullback. Dan Gagai moves to centre and the new winger. Uh, is caught up with Corey Allen going on to one wing. And he kicked him so hard, look, fucking lollies oh, came out. <laughs> Anyone that tries to defend that he had a chance to get the ball. The bloke was bent over and his hands were already on the footy oh, when he launched the kick. Look, mate. Look, mate. He just a complete brain snap. He looked at his head like it was a pinata and said, look, if I kick it hard enough, I'm going to get some candy. I'm going to get a packet of M&M's, mate. i tell you what, he got no candy. Campbell Graham got, got a well, fucking headache and his face got caved in. He got a bit of candy. He got Latrell's fist. And then Latrell the ran in like Bradshaw from the day WWE, the well, tried to turn him into a Pez dispenser. And then he picked him up by the shoulders and gave him the old ragdoll slam Dave Taylor style. <laughs> and then it was on like Donkey Kong. I did uh, enjoy those two going on each other. They were super. Reynolds later in the game swearing at him and running in. I was like, you're both a pair of peanuts. That's great. But I'm really enjoying, <laughs> I'm enjoying this contest. You're, you're both uh, loose, but I really enjoyed it. laugh. It was great. Um, so a new winger pairing, but a debutante, Jackson Paula, who is a junior Kiwi. They got him from your mob, the Titans, mid last season. Of course. Um, he's only 20 years old, big fella. So, interesting to see how he goes in yardage. Mark Nichols is on the bench. He successfully got his dangerous contact charge downgraded at the judiciary. <laughs> he 
seven years incident free. That's pretty bloody good. So that helped him. Especially as a front How about runner. for your first charge, though? To go in or one of your first charges, straight up two weeks for a crusher. And I barely thought he landed in the poor bastard. They had him on the thing. So seven years incident free with his good record, he got off. Uh, on the Newcastle side, Safidi starts for his brother Daniel, who's out injured. Connor Watson back on the bench. Mitch Barnett also back on the bench. There you go. So they haven't been talking about it, but he's back. And Sione Mataudia and Tex Hoy and Brady Jones are out of the side. So just when I said they needed to get some troops, they get back Barnett and Connor Watson. So I think McCulloch might be seeing some time on the point or he might be spending some time in the middle just tackling, I think. Mm. Brings a bit of spark. This is a hard one to tip, I think, Boxhead. <sighs> that throws a bit in there. Uh, what are the odds? Well, look at that one before we get going then. a dollar eighty. The bookies have South slightly in front because mm. it's at Bank West, Newcastle at $2. At who, who are the Knights got out? No one? Daniel Safidi's out. Oh, that hurts. Jacob Safidi's in, and they got Barnett and Watson back on the bench this week. Barnett's back in, is he? And Metaglia. And on the flip side, they've no, gone... No, I'll go South. I don't trust Newcastle at the moment. I don't really trust either, to be honest. Yeah, I trust South more at the moment. Whereas two weeks ago, I would have tipped Newcastle easily. I'm going to tip the Knights. Yeah, good on you. Again, I don't have a lot of faith in there, the sides. You're a bit of a South hater at the moment. But, oh yeah. you know, I don't know. Last week against the Tigers, I saw some glimpses. Is Ray Martin upset you? Andrew, Ray Martin. Andrew, Andrew Denton. Um, we met Ray Martin. He's a nice guy. Yeah. He was a good boy. Hey, she's a nice He's lady. an ageless wonder, that bastard. I looked at him and I was like, oh, I'm 20-something. I look like I've yeah. just had a hard life. Ray Martin was like 70. He looked like he was 50. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Good hair, too. Mm-hmm. I was trying to get a handful, see yeah. if I could pull his wig He's off. He's got Lego head. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> bit of a helmet. Yeah. Bit of a glue on helmet. Yeah, I'm not really sold on either of these teams, but I don't know. I think Newcastle need to spark a little bit back up in attack. Uh, I think with a bit of the changes there on the edges, in particular Roberts and Gagai in the centres, they might be able to exposed a little bit there if they can win the middle. I know Safidi's a big loss, but Clemmer, Jake has been doing a pretty good job. Righto. Thanks for your analysis, Mick Ennis. I think it'll be a Move close on. game. So, And the Raiders will win. Oh, no, wait. The Raiders aren't playing. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Shut up. That will rob the Raiders. <laughs> Absolutely will. Disgraceful. R- Ricky. Like, Calm down. Here. I know what sort of culture they're building. We know you're on the staff. Righto. Speaking of helmet hair. Oh, just yeah. quietly. Lego It's hair. never changed. It's yeah, perfectly intact. Yeah, old Lego with Jet black too. Good times. Uh, Nanley up against Para for the late Saturday game. And as far as they're concerned, Morgan Boyle is out with an injury. Paseca starts at prop. Corey Waddell is back on the bench for Parramatta. They're unchanged. This is even with Junior Paulo on those back injuries. So maybe Stefano Utukamano, who's now been cleared, actually gets a bit of game time here if they're a bit more comfortable. I'm assuming last week that's the only reason he didn't throw him into the fire. And Jai Field plays again this week, even though they said Moses was close. Moses isn't in the reserves and I don't see the need at 8 There's one. no need. There's no need. There is no, no need. So, mm. oh, this is easy for now. You stick with Parramatta. The Eels are still missing troops. I'm sure mm. Manly would like to fire up and get some revenge after the first the result. Eels team. Very different teams than played that time. $1.26 for Parramatta. Three eighty for Manly. Minus 10 is the line. And the Sunday games Minus to finish 10. us off. The Warriors at Central Coast up against the Sharkies. They've got Nicarima returning. Tavita Harris is out of the side, or is he on the bench? No, he's out altogether. Alessia Katara returns from an injury in the back row, pushing Murchie back into the reserves. And on the Shark side, Nene McDonald straight out of the side. Ronaldo Muritalo is back on the wing. 
Rudolph starts at lock. Jack Williams is dropped, and Andrew Feder is also out. Scott Sorensen, Connor Tracy, join the bench. So, sharks, I will not be tipping the Warriors ever again. <laughs> These are the games where you get off them and they bloody end up winning. Yeah, good on them. There's a few injuries there. Um, I'm not going to tip them ever again. <laughs> Unless they play the Bulldogs. Oh no, actually, I'll tip the Bulldogs. They cost me last week. The bastards. Yeah. I had Mark Milo They're try done. and win. I'm on them to win the wooden. I was counting my well, cash so. at twelve. Now I was like, good, go on with it. And they burned me. I did it again, mate. I hope half their team goes home, I mate. I the world. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got to bet on to win the spoon. That's harsh. I hope half their team goes home. You need the dogs to win. They're already, they're already two ahead. Yeah. yeah. They'll become a forfeit. Well, the odds on that one, the bookies have the Warriors at $3, $1.40 for the Sharks, minus six and a half is the line. And to finish the round off, the Penny Panthers at home for the first time up against the North Queensland Cowboys oh. for the Panthers. Dean Farrow is back. Brent Naden moves to the wing and Charlie Stains after his oh, party. Locked lock door. He's partying. Oh, he fucking jaws he's locked. party on the weekend. <laughs> Bit oh. too much partying. A few too many. How good. Scooters. Scooters. After a great debut and now he's in COVID lockdown for two weeks. So. Oh, Charlie. It was worth, hope it was worth it, Charlie. He turns. <laughs> he rolls up into being hospital. Did you see the posts? From the Forbes Motel, the pub apparently. Yeah, they stop said scoring, if, free <laughs> if he scores, he scores. He scores. Oh, said, stop no. scoring. Pub for sale. Yeah, go on. Uh, they said they're going to do four dollars schooners every time he plays now, and That's they're going to do free beer still. I'm like, man, that place should have been rocking. Oh yeah, the best ever. That's outstanding. Country pub. All jokes aside, he played fantastic, hey. and oh, I tipped him on the show last week, and we, we had a few in- inboxes. Um, people saying, "Why is he better than Edwards?" He's a long-term fullback. That's his spot. Um, that's his spot. Yeah. He's only a kid. It'll be his jersey. Dylan Edwards, he's going to take your jab. Yep. Either, <laughs> either meet the wing or meet another club. <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take your jab. It won't be this year, but coming in the next year Might and the year be. after, there's going to be some If pressure. Edwards gets injured and he goes in there for a couple of weeks, plays well, he won't get his spot back. Mm. And with the Cowboys, Val Holmes uh, is now going to be out for Gone two months. Gone for three months, yeah. He had surgery. O'Neill returns on the wing. Mitch Dunn oh, no. replaces Scott Drinkwater, who had a knee injury. Ooh. And on the bench, Dejan Arcee, who's a centre, who was in the tw- Queensland 20s, I think I saw, last year from memory. He gets a debut on the bench with Peter Holler out. I'm just more confused about that because he plays in the back line and Peter Holler's a front row. So I don't see what the go is oh, there. They're going to get pounded. What the plan is, looking at that back line and the bench. Gavin Cooper, Ben Hampton, Dijan Arcee. So he's got oh. Cooper, who basically is an edge that you have to force in the middle, I'm assuming. Oh. They've got oh. Arcee, who's a center winger, more a center. Arcee, how What's the line here? It? Gilbert's a prop, and then you've got Ben Hampton. 14 so and a half? This might be the ugliest game of the round. Penny oh, Panthers fire. are $1.20. The Cowboys are four fifty, and fourteen and a half. I tell you what, I'd, I'd well, I'd just back Penrith thirteen plus. Four o'clock game is. I don't know what the weather's like this weekend, but I tell price you what, thirteen plus. To quote Warney, if the Panthers are feeling thirsty, this could oh, be another yeah. bloodbath. This is going to be a bloodbath. This could because be. they carve Cronulla's D up and the Cowboys D is worse. Well, they're bad on both edges. Can you check the odds for margins, please, my friend? Opening <clears> this up, Brocky's better the round. Margin betting. Yeah. Pennies by 13 plus is $1.68. Uh, yeah. $1.68. I'll have a margin try score a double, I reckon. Yeah. So you're heading into my territory, brother. This is where we're going. Um, and I'll have... Is there a double? Any time into a margin? There would be. 
Anytime's my thing. Where is it? Sometime. I don't have them up yet. What are you doing? Uh, there's Anytime Try Scroll there. Yeah, that's first times. No, up the top, above it. Yeah, Maybe. but that doesn't have above the... Above it. Yeah, it doesn't have the win combo, though. What you are you want, talking about? You want the win combo, man. What are you talking about? You want to do try win. You think they're going to win. You don't waste your time just betting on the try scorer. Same game multi, right? Go Penrith 13+. plus. This is riveting listening. It's great. Penrith 13+. plus. Into any time try scorer. And who do you want, mate? I want Stephen Crichton. Stephen Crichton, 230. What price do I get for that? You get 310. Yeah. 310. I'll probably actually take... Is, did, did you say Naden's back on the wing? Yeah. I'll take Naden. Naden's back on the hip and swing. Give me Naden. He's $1.65, even shorter. That's you okay. get about 230 for that. Yeah, I'll take that. That's my better than the round. Kick-out's pretty get short. Penrith 13 plus into Naden to score a try and just drink on Brocky for six weeks in a row. Just drink on Brocky. No heat. I reckon they'll, fire. there'll be a Coruscant bar over or someone up the middle or a fish Liam or a Martin, yo. a filthy back rower try. Yo try win combos, about six bucks. Ugh. Someone just with feet through the middle with a bit of spleen. Oh, everyone might get a try. Well, this might be... Just back everyone but the middles. <laughs> but the, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Even big Mossy Leota might get a try this week. What yeah, price is he to score? That's pretty ugly, I think. What price is big Mossy... Moses, like that's Mosley Ada. That's bloody eight bucks. That's bloody keen by Get you. on, get <laughs> He'll score. Fish is at six fifty. That's pretty good value. Nah, he doesn't, he doesn't like taking to the house. Fish. I tell you, you can score a try. Billy Burns. Billy yeah, Burns he can score. Try. Even the other day, like there was nothing doing. He just cut back across Five and bucks. no one tied in with that dirty caterpillar on his top. He <laughs> slides in. Yeah, filthy caterpillar. Just creeping on the field. Look, oh, that, they'll score probably at least eight tries in this game. They're back at Penny Park. How good. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath. <laughs> They're going to take it to the bank. Yeah, I was about to say, what movie is that? Uh, Hard to Kill. Hard to Kill. Steven Seagal. I'm going to take you to the bank, Senator Trent. To the blood To the blood bank. Good. And he whispers it to himself too. He does too, yeah. Just before the ad break. <clears throat> good times. Steven Seagal. Uh, <laughs> good times. All right. So there you go. Enjoy your week. Penny looks like the one. We've tipped the same round again, except South Newcastle. Yeah, and I'll, probably, I'll, I'll probably fall behind You hate again. Wayne. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about a few years ago when he was at Newcastle? You my, wanted to pick weekly it. rants. I was picking it out the front, saying, I want Wayne gone. And then he sucked himself. Yeah, of course he did, because it was too hard. Wayne, <laughs> Wayne said, I'm out. I'm Wayne ruined said, it. I, I'm going. This is too hard for me. This is out of control. It's like Mal Meningo, his political career. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm done. I'm I, can't, I can't do this. I'm done. Classic. Mic drop. Well, there you go. It's midnight. Good times. And then he won nine Origin Series in a row. Mm. Prick. Yeah, well, give me that spine. I'd be nine Origin Series too. Yeah. And then they got beat by Trent Hawkinson. Just, How does that sit with your Queenslanders? Just, just drink you lost to Josh Reynolds Hawkins. and Trent Hawkinson. <laughs> oh, how bad for us, Oh, dear. Just drink for a week we and a half up in Queensland and rock up and just go, Cameron, JT, Cooper, Billy, cheers. Yeah. All good. Anyway. Good times. Well, there you go. Done for another week. Get on board. Yeah. Audio boom. iTunes. Spotify. Rate, review the show on iTunes. Share it with your friends, any rugby league lovers. Keep your eyes open on the discussion page and keep posting. It's good to see people interacting and bringing up some bits and pieces in there. It's always fairly active. Oh, I'm struggling to keep up with it. Mate, I barely get a look during work. When I come on, there's usually too much for me to keep up with. I only posted my first thing yesterday. I think next week, we'll have a bit of a mid-season review. Yeah. Ten weeks in. What about... Jay Strasberg. Hey, lads, is the potty dropping tonight? 
doing the overnight shift. Like I said. Wondering if I, I'll keep checking for it. Keep up the good work. You can well, send anyone right Jay, now. Jay, I said, just it's finishing up, son. It's almost midnight. We're on. We're on, buddy. So if anyone mm-hmm. sits here tonight going, what the fuck were these two talking about? <laughs> like I said, most weeks, it's, it's fairly late. It, this is getting right up there. Yeah. So we're a bit frazzled. That's why things got a bit crazy. I'm, not, I'm going to the zoo with two kids tomorrow. I'm, not, I'm waking up at 5 a.m. Wish me luck. Going to work with electricity. Safer. It's great. Safer than taking two kids to the zoo. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Depends how you do. If you, if you hang over in any enclosure, you might not be safer. Mm. If I fall asleep face first into a switch gear, we may have a problem. Yeah, well. Good times. All right, everybody out there, See ya. enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.